This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Oh, the good news is the rain is back. I say the good news is the rain is back because it makes no difference to me. I can't bear the heat. I can't bear the sunshine. So and then I didn't like the rain yesterday. I complained bitterly about that. The other good news, the tube strike is off. London rejoices. If you can't pay your rent, we found a woman who lives on a train. And I'm thinking, I wonder for how much longer. The adultery website, Suicides. Two people have taken their own lives. I don't know why. It was just a website for people who want to meet other people for sex. MPs to question Alan Yentob over the kids' company's failings. My God, they've got failings, have they not? Cooking a Sunday roast is too much of a chore. And the best place to live in Britain is... I think we'll save that for later. You wouldn't believe it. The most hilarious site yesterday was Sky News who completely lost all credibility by inviting Ab's love from the band Five to discuss bands splitting up. Have you ever seen such an idiot in your entire life? Poor creature, honestly. Somebody must have gone, I'll tell you what, let's, let's do something really funny. Let's put Ab's on there, you know, because he's like wicked and talked like this. And you think to yourself, the man's a complete bozo. Why on earth do you ever want to put him on a news? He must have been as surprised as anybody else. I'm going to put you on Sky News. I went to a wedding some years ago. And uh, Ab's Love was the DJ. He was always famous for walking around with his trousers halfway down his bottom, which I'm led to believe is some American prison thing. In his case, it could have been anything, I should imagine. So the heavens opened yesterday and we all got panic-stricken. There's going to be a tube strike and it's not just going to be a one-day tube strike. It's going to last for, you know, up until Friday. And I'm thinking, if there is a God, can we please make sure that there isn't a tube strike? Let them see sense. Let them suddenly realise that they're not doing themselves any favours. The great, uh, you know, the tourist trade in London is affected. Everybody's affected, except the people for whom they seem to be aiming this at. But, of course, if you believe the unions, it's a load of old codswallop. They quite clearly hate us, the British public. They hate us, the travellers. Because otherwise, why would you bring it out and disrupt our lives? What possible use is that going to be? Try and be more intelligent. Think of something a bit better to do. Anyway, they've cancelled it, so that's good. Although it's not sort of completely been cancelled, it could still come back on again. I don't know, we don't want to go back to those days of deep depression, do we, with the unions going, right, well, that's it, everybody out now. Then they all tittle off on holiday. 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. And I um, I looked at the jokes. We'll come around to them earlier on. I know that uh, that Darren mentioned them. To be honest with you, they just weren't funny. Some of them just weren't funny. I think situations are funny now. I don't think jokes are particularly funny. So I, I, I did sort of peruse them. We tried them out in the office and we went, mm, not really, not really that exciting. So we didn't really, we didn't sort of bother with them. Which was a shame, because I do like a good joke. I I do like a good joke, and this programme is in the absolutely right place to have a very good joke. And especially when I was uh, texting a friend of mine yesterday, well, he was was tweeting me, actually. He's over in Dubai on holiday, and he kept sending pictures. Well, there's nothing worse than somebody on holiday sending you pictures of them on, who cares? Who cares? So I sort of kept winding him up by saying, oh, it's baking over here, absolutely baking. And he kept writing back going, no, it's not, It's, it's, it's raining. I said, I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, it's baking hot. Uh, Hurea says, uh, I bought a shredder today, which I, I recommend everybody to buy a shredder. If you've got a business, it's absolutely the kind of thing you have to have because some swine tried to open two bank accounts in Hurea's name, which is not the best thing, is it? In fact, actually, I, I, I use a shredder all the time. In fact, it's quite nice, actually. You can make your own confetti, can't you? For weddings, if you sort of buy a shredder and then shred different coloured paper. That's quite nice. Uh, Alex Sibley. Remember Alex Sibley from, from Big Brother? 
He's a regular to this programme. He says, I love your show and your world when I'm awake. I bet this morning he's awake. I bet this morning he's awake. And Natasha said, you definitely cheer my show up. A lot of people who suffer from uh, from insomnia are the sort of people, you know, uh, who are who are out there and they cannot sleep, poor souls. And so we like to make sure that they can. They can. And uh, sorry, let me just quickly do that there. Makes me feel a lot better. And, uh, and then what was the other? Oh, that's right. I had a, an, an email from a lady called Mary. I think it was Mary. Uh, I've got to find it, actually, because she is a huge fan of One Direction. Huge fan. And she wrote to me yesterday. What did I do with the blooming thing? Or was it... Oh, it might have been, was it... It wasn't... Was it, was it Janet? No, it wasn't Janet, actually. Janet was writing about Cliff Richard. Oh, Mary. And uh, Mary says, please tell me that, that for the next seven months you're going to go on about One Direction. Well, that's OK, Mary, because for you, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. <laughs> and um, and uh, she says, because if you are, can you kind enough to let me and other mature adults who are really interested know that so we can make sure that we're listening between four and seven? I'm definitely doing it, Mary, just for you. Okay, because we love you. And uh, if you're an old age pensioner and you like One Direction, this is going to be the programme for you. All the papers are full of them today, full of One One Direction. And the reason is because they're now saying they've got so much money. And it was at Eamon Holmes the other day, proving how horribly out of touch he is. He reckoned they'd get back together in a couple of years because they'll run out of money. The only person who's going to run out of money, Eamon, is going to be you. They certainly won't be. They've got £25 million each. How are they going to run out of money? I did advise them to go into a, into a business, you know, and to, uh, and to sort of invest their money. Definitely not in overseas. <laughs> That'll be the safe thing not to do at the moment, I suspect. But, uh, no, they, they're, they're all... It's interesting, because apparently some of the One Direction fans are saying they're now going to self-harm. Now, let's look at this logically. This is for Mary's benefit. All right, Mary. And uh, it's a case of if One Direction split up, and then some of the fans say, we're going to self-harm. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're holding them to ransom and that One Direction are going to go, well, we don't want you to self-harm, so we're going to get back together again? Of course they're not. Of course they're not. But this is how young girls are affected by the lure of the pop groups. I went on to Amazon this morning uh, and I thought to myself, I'll buy a One Direction DVD. So I bought... One of their concerts, I think one of their shows, like just to see what it looks like. I'm quite curious. I've bought Westlife and I've seen loads of other bands backstage and Simon and Garfunkel and everybody else and uh, Queen. So I want to see what One Direction do. And it was only a few quid. So I bought it just to see what the fuss is. But then you have to understand that the girls out there and there's a huge marketing campaign behind them. They've got more One Direction branded items than you can shake a stick at. I mean, seriously. But then, of course, all my Scylla stuff arrived today because I bought, I've just bought some Scylla uh, live in concert in Australia with The Shadows and a load of other people. And I've got her greatest hits and I've got the DVDs and there's a number of books, a number of biographies out about Scylla, which came out some time ago. Scylla and Bobby, Scylla by herself, Scylla doing this. And uh, all of that is going to hit the charts. It's absolutely going to hit the charts. And I think that's good news, because all Scylla Black is, she was the girl that everybody screamed at, but from a different generation. When she appeared, people screamed. When One Direction uh, appeared, people screamed. When One Direction appeared in 
uh, Leicester Square, the girls screamed. And they just went on and on and on. And you think to yourself, that's the obsession. But they did it for the Beatles. Or probably some of you did it for the Beatles. You know, when, when the Beatles played Shea Stadium in America, you will not believe that the fans cannot have heard anything at all. I don't think the boys heard anything. The amplifiers they were working on were 30 watts. Vox AC 30 watt amplifiers in Shea Stadium. They cannot have heard anything at all. And they had to overdub the sound because all you got was screaming. It was like an aircraft taking off when they came on stage and the Beatles live at the Hollywood Bowl and all these different places. Nobody could have heard a thing because everybody was screaming. The moment they appeared, it was like... I, don't, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like because I've never screamed for anybody in my life. I've never got that excited over a group or an individual to go, ah, but they drive themselves into a frenzy. When David Cassidy appeared here years ago, people were passing out. Literally, they had to pass them over the heads at the, at the shows that David Cassidy did because he was so beautiful. And all the girls, they all wanted to go out with him. They all wanted to be, you know, David Cassidy's girlfriend. And he sang all the songs like, could it be forever? I mean, every one of David Cassidy's songs was, was selling him as a sex image, you know, and that's what they do with One Direction. One Direction have got photos specifically with their shirts off. And the reason they've got them with their shirts off is because that's what, every so often you have to tempt the girl. If you had One Direction naked, stark naked, it would sell out immediately. The calendar would sell out immediately. But they, they don't need to do that. It depends how drunk they get, I suppose. But you go on, on Amazon. I seriously couldn't believe how much merchandise there was. Literally everything. Sometimes nothing to do with groups at all. It was just loads of merchandise. So I bought a couple of their DVDs and I got my Black stuff. And I'm quite happy with life. Absolutely quite happy. Life could not be any more perfect. And the other good news today is we get paid. Well, in fact, we've been paid. We get paid at midnight. It's quite a clever system whereby the uh, the money goes into your bank account at literally about one minute past 12. So the money's gone in there. And then it, it's kind of even worthwhile. I mean, so I don't care if it rains. It makes no difference to me. I'm sitting here till 6.30 this morning. I shall interview Geoffrey Archer a little bit later on. And, uh, and then I shall probably nip off to Costco tomorrow because we've got the new one that's opened in Sunbury. So I'm a bit excited by that. You know, like, all right, so it rains. Pfft, who cares? Who cares? 84850, steve at uk And uh, uh, Jane, who poor soul, is in Plymouth. I mean, I don't know whether or not Plymouth has actually got this filthy reputation because of the amount of low lifes down there. But anyway, she says, I think a beautifully prepared roast dinner is a scrummy meal and my favourite. Unfortunately, it's four hours or so in the kitchen prep and trimmings. Then they devour it in 20 minutes and fall asleep. A lovely roast delivered to your door and no awful dried cabbage to scrub from pots and pans. I shall text you the number. Well, we were saying, one of my friend's aunt was sort of going, he said, who can be bothered to do it because of all the mess and all the rest of it? And he said, it, it's cheaper to go out. I said, no, it's not. It's absolutely not. You go out to a carvery and have a Sunday roast, it's generally speaking anywhere from about nine quid to about 15 pounds. Some, that would be average in a pub. 12, 12, 13 quid, something like that, for the roast with all the trimmings. Well, you can buy two chickens for under sort of seven quid. So that, you know, why would it be cheaper? It wouldn't be cheaper. It's just that it takes away the effort, doesn't it? It takes away the effort. And it's a case of, you know, why should I bother? I can't be bothered to cook. You know, you, by the time, it's the same. By the time you put the thing on and you've done the vegetables, people eat it and they eat really quickly. 20 minutes sounds like a long time for me for Sunday lunch. And then they all fall asleep and mum's left to go and tidy it all up because nobody ever offers to do the washing up, do they? Terrible, really. And uh, Les says, I'm not going to joke about it. The best place to live isn't Luton. Oh, I can't think of anything worse. Luton, what a dump. What a dump. 
God, you wouldn't be seeing me uh, any time soon up in Luton, I'm afraid. Apologies to anybody in Luton this morning. It must be really awful for you. It's quarter past four. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 18 minutes past four is Steve Allen's early breakfast. Poor old skinny Chezer in Chocky Shocker. Yes, super slim Cheryl Fernandez Spag Bowl is out again. This time she's launching a chocolate bar with a company. They must be really scraping the barrel trying to find gigs for her to do. I thought she was a musician. Sadly not. But uh, photos of her sparked concern last month after they showed her looking far thinner. Fellow Geordie Vicky Patterson even told Cheryl, get yourself to Greg's for a pie or a stotty cake. And so, anyway, she, she's teamed up with, with Greg's to uh, offer this thing because for every bar that they sell, five pence goes to Cheryl's Trust, her charity supporting disadvantaged young people. I'll be looking forward to reading more about her charity and how she helps disadvantaged young people, ladies and gentlemen. And so uh, it was a lot of fun developing a special treat, she says. Oh, grow up, you silly old baggage. Goodness sake, you didn't develop anything. It's a chocolate bar. You can't develop a chocolate bar, dear. Well, you certainly can't. Anyway, apparently the reason she was thin is because she was grieving over the death of her husband's father. And she says, I'm sick of it being okay to call somebody too thin or a bag of bones. Well, get out of the business then, love, and stop hawking yourself around then. You know, you're the one who does it. You know, you want to put your picture up in the newspaper. You are fair game for everybody. You know, you've lost that right. You've lost that right. To actually sort of, you know, I'm sick to death of people taking the mickey out of me. Well, you're going to have to put up with it for a long time yet. If you don't like it, get out of the business. We wouldn't care. It's not, not going to be any loss, is it? Let's face it. Uh, 84850, uk, And, um, Steve, I forgot you were wafted here from paradise. I certainly was. Certainly was. No, Luton's a dreadful place. Oh, ghastly. You could sugarcoat Luton. It would still be a dump. It's, I don't think it was ever not a dump. I I, seriously, I'm trying to think of a time when people went Luton, apart from that advert where, you know, Lorraine chased the, you truly wafted here from paradise. Nah, mate, Luton Airport. Which I quite like. Uh, 84850, stevenlbc.co.uk. I was going to bring you the weather, but I think it's way too early to depress your day. Uh, Also, uh, footballer Jafra Sarko, I think that's how you pronounce it, has been arrested for threatening to kill a girlfriend. What is it with these people who sort of lose their tempers very quickly? I'm always fascinated by people who sort of go from being normal to being aggressive little so-and-sos. And, um, you know, it's it's really odd, isn't it, that perhaps they think, you know, and it doesn't matter whether they're footballers or whether they're celebrities in the public eye, it doesn't matter who they are, perhaps they think they're above the law. Perhaps they think they're above the law. Bad news is, uh, cold feet could be coming back. 12 years on, they say, to replace Downton. I don't know. Could, is it is it worth bringing back? I never saw it first time round. Faye Ripley and Helen Baxendale. Would it? Would it? I don't know. It's it's supposed to be an iconic drama. Whether or not you know, I really want to watch it. I've got no idea. Probably not really. Pages and pages on One Direction and how they're all going to make it and how they're going to be solo superstars. Well, they're not. They don't have the charisma. They do not have the charisma. When you look at somebody like Justin Bieber, he's got a confidence. When you look at One Direction, they're a band being told what to do. Do this, do that. Stop it, do this. That's how it works. But uh, as I say, most hilarious thing was Ab's Love uh, appearing on Sky News, warning bands to be wary of going solo. Well, of course, they're far more intelligent than you, Ab's, as we've seen, you know, with your fake Jamaican accent from Enfield. And it's a case of they've got far more money than you'll ever see in your entire life. 
because uh, they worked hard at it. You didn't actually work hard at anything at all, did you, really? And your little programme, Abs on the Farm, is one of the most embarrassing things people have ever seen on the television. Is it getting an audience? Only for all the wrong reasons. Only for all the wrong reasons. He's only living in rented accommodation. Somebody says, Steve, I agree about Luton. Imagine being dumped in a city centre for 24 hours as a result of a flight cancellation at Luton Airport. Well, they call it London Luton Airport, don't they? It's London Luton Airport. So people flying in from, from abroad, they actually sort of think that they've arrived in London. They don't realise it's, uh, it's hours away, hours away. I like the idea of uh, the stigma around for wearing glasses. I love glasses. I'm with Dame Edna. It's face furniture. It's face furniture, and I absolutely love it. I think glasses are the sexiest thing ever. Glasses, I mean, I look really dead sexy in glasses. I never understand why people say, you know, people in glasses, oh, it's really not great. It's fantastic. If you're a young kid and you're going to school and you wear glasses, well, big up you. Big up you. Fantastic. I love them. Uh, Connie says, it's still a battle of wills with the local moggies. I put down stones, rocks, and the cats are still managing to use my plant patch as a free latrine. I'm thinking of buying raw to try and deter the blighters. There is something you can put down, and I can't remember what it is, which deters cats. I'll tell you what's very good. Water pistol. Water pistol. Get, get a water pistol, and, and then every time you see a cat there, squirt it. It will soon associate going anywhere near your thing as being soaked with water, and they hate water. They hate water, so get a water pistol. Get one of those really good ones. You know, apparently the producer says, and I couldn't couldn't endorse this at all, a little bit of lemon juice in it. <laughs> Why lemon? Oh, cats hate citrus. So could you use orange then? You could use a bit of... Oh, right, a little bit of orange or, or lemon juice or just do a mixture and then they can have a St. Clement's while they're sort of uh, having their ablutions. So there you go, a bit of lemon in there. Yeah, no, you don't want to make them unwell, just a little tiny bit. I used to do that with pigeons. Because you know that pigeons go back to where they were born. So if a pigeon was born in the studio, for the rest of its life, it would keep coming back here to have babies and do whatever. And so I discovered that you can get these spikes which deter pigeons. And then if you get a water pistol, that's really good. And so I got one of those super soakers. And I used to watch them trying to build a nest. And I would just be destroying the nest every time because I can't stand pigeons. The only good pigeon is either under a bit of short crust pastry at a really posh restaurant or under the wheels of my car. That's a really good one. Yeah, a really flattened pigeon. Love them. We managed to get rid of them in certain places in London. They cost a fortune to clean up. But you get these barking mad people that go around feeding pigeons. Flying rats, ladies and gentlemen. Filthy, disgusting, vermin, diseases. Ugh. God, awful, awful people. Uh, 84850... Uh, uk, and uh, oh, blimey, this is an odd story isn't it here very odd story about Mandy Allwood remember Mandy Allwood from ages and ages ago she had uh, octuplets she had eight and she lost eight babies one two three four yeah and so they had she was handled by uh, Max Clifford he said she was very odd very odd but she now says the phantom pain is haunting her uh, they all died, and they had pictures. It was it was awful. They had pictures of these little tiny coffins and people carrying them. It was just absolutely dreadful. And I don't know why we've gone back onto this. Perhaps she's run out of money. She says, I drank four or five bottles of wine a day. Oh, that would explain why Max Clifford thought you were somewhat all odd then. Uh, 84850, Steve, at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we'll try and weave everything in on the programme this morning. And um, have you heard of Milton Keynes? I used to love the advert for Milton Keynes on the television. 
You know, you know when they had, um, they used to have a little kid with a balloon. They used to have red balloons, and they tried to sell Milton Keynes as this sort of new town, which it was, and it had had cows and everything else, and uh, they went into the stadium, and it looked very pretty and idyllic, till you go there, and you suddenly realise it's another one of these out-of-town dumps. It really is a ghastly place. I know people who live there, and they, they actually say it's, uh, you know, it's actually quite quite nice. Why do you lock the door with the double locks? Uh, Tom is just outside Luton, about 300 miles away, and says, don't apologise for people living in Luton. It is, after all... The uh, the people for the Jeremy Kyle... Oh, it's not another holding pen, is it, for the Jeremy Kyle show? Like Staines. Staines is uh, another holding pen for the Jeremy Kyle show. Or it could be Hounslow. Hounslow's fairly fairly popular. There's all these different places. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, do another one here. Actually, somebody also was saying, I live in Luton, and believe you me, I cannot wait to leave. Mind you, talking of people leaving, here's uh, another couple enjoying uh, a bit of sex in the car park of a drive through McDonald. This is an old slapper, and her, uh, her slapping boyfriend were doing disgusting things in Swansea. And um, he admitted acting in a lewd, obscene manner. I mean, they're two uglies, as they always are. And uh, a McDonald's worker who witnessed the thing says, anybody walking past the car would have seen what they were doing. Anyway, they've been jailed for reports, and they hid their faces. Not surprised when you're that ugly. I mean, they really are. Lisa Gray, 28, and Reese Higgins, 24, at 5am in the morning. And uh, so anyway, they've actually uh, they've been charged. <laughs> you ugly pair of useless losers. Losers. Oh, I tell you what, uh, I tell you who's, who's going to be big in the acting world, David Beckham. I know up until now he's been fairly good, but he's in this new film, The Man from Uncle. He's only got two words, and I think it's something like, yes, comrade. And apparently they're, they're really impressive, really. People have fallen over themselves backwards. They go, well, I mean, Hamlet, surely, must be beckoning for, for David Beckham, you know, yes, comrade. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, honestly, that just the, the emphasis he could put on the word comrade. I think kind of says it all, really. And so they're now saying that they're, they're, they think they, they could put him in other films. Well, how many other films you can weave in? Yes, comrade. I don't know. There might, there might not be that many. I don't think in the latest Noddy film there's going to be much use for Yes, comrade. But uh, David Beckham, I mean, a force to be reckoned. Is there nothing this boy cannot do? I mean, he's fantastic. He can model underpants. He can look mean and moody. Then he ruins it by smiling. And then he, he becomes a bit geeky, doesn't he, really? And he can model whiskey. Because I don't believe that David Beckham ever drinks. I'm totally convinced that David Beckham's idea of getting drunk is probably two shandies on a Friday night. I can't see David Beckham. They go, have you ever been completely blathered, David? I don't, don't think so. <laughs> i tell you what, I watched though on YouTube yesterday and never ceased to, to get pleasure out of watching him. The ventriloquist, Paul Zerdin, who's storming it in America with his doll Sam and the baby. Absolutely storming it. He's been in the business for about 25 years. I knew him when he was... He came out to Vienna with his parents, who were in radio when he was probably about 13, and I took him out to Vienna Magic, which I thought was one of the best-equipped magic shops that I'd ever seen in my entire life, uh, run at the time by a guy called Steve Stevenson, and, and he went out there to try and sell magic to them at the age of 13. He was making his own thing. I mean, terribly clever boy. And uh, the story goes that he, uh, he went to get an agent, and he was a magician at the time. He did magic, and very good he was. And he had a job in Davenport's, and he went to see an agent, and the agent went, listen, I've got loads of magicians. Seriously, find, find something else. And so he decided ventriloquism, and he's never looked back. Seriously, he's never looked back. He's uh, 40, 
42, I think, something like that now. And the Americans absolutely love him. The panel went crackers for him. So good for him and Piff the Magic Dragon, both of whom featured on my Magic Circle Christmas shows, of which we have another one this year. Details on the Magic Circle website, but uh, not too many tickets left. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Well, you every 26 minutes to five is ridiculous, isn't it? How can you be this happy at this time of the morning? Blackberries. Uh, it's the 25th of August. I read in the press, says Phil, that One Direction are as successful as the Beatles. If it were possible, and if you were offered the choice of a free ticket to see One Direction or a free ticket to see the Beatles, which would you choose? Now, that is a tough call. I mean, they are as successful as the Beatles. The difference is the Beatles went for longer. Uh, One Direction have made £25 million each, approximately. Which, If, if they've made £25 million each, imagine how much Psycho have made out of it. That's it. But they haven't got a catalogue as big as the Beatles. The Beatles, every time I see clips of the Beatles on the television, you listen to some of those songs. My God, they were brilliant. My God, they were absolutely, they were absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and the Beatles concerts were quite lame compared to what One Direction do now because of all the pyrotechnics and the lights and, and uh, auto-tune and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's the difference. The Beatles just stood on stage and played guitar. They weren't exactly particularly animated. In fact, I think the only time they became animated is where uh, John Lennon at Royal Variety Performance asked uh, all the, you know, all the poor people upstairs clap and all the uh, rich people downstairs, you know, shake your jewellery. That was the kind of thing that they did. But they just stood there and played dun-dun-dun-dun. I mean, it was fantastic. You listen to the Beatles' music now, it's fantastic. On the other hand, you listen to One Direction, you're hearing something that is so overproduced, it's, it's as perfect as it could be. As it could be. It doesn't, you know, it's, it just doesesn't get any better than that. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Ian says that Mandy Allwood uh, settled in Warwick and rented some private house there. And um, apparently she had a number of asbos. Well, if she was drinking five bottles of wine a day, I would think it was highly likely she must have had something. Five bottles? I didn't know it was possible to drink five, but five bottles of wine a day. That's what she said. It's an awful lot, isn't it, really? And uh, they call some tiny airfield to the north of Oxford, London Oxford Airport, says Ian. How pretentious. I know, it's when they go London Luton, they go, oh, right, are we near Trafalgar Square? No, you're miles from Trafalgar Square. It's going to take you forever and ever to get to Trafalgar Square. Uh, lots, of, um, lots of jokes in the paper today. Actually, they're not funny, most of them. I don't want to be rude about them, but I promise you, they're just not funny. I'll, I'll go through them, because I can't remember if, uh, if Darren went through them earlier on. I like the TV biz column, because it's got a load of old has-beens in it. Yesterday, we had poor old Jeff. Emma Collins trying to flog the fact that she's uh, she's tried to change her spots, which, of course, you know, it's not physically possible. She's still the same disgusting person she always was in the programme. And um, the uh, one here from Ian, who says, I thought of one producer of TOWIE wanted Steve Allen on the show, but he failed the audition. He passed the IQ test. Connie says, I tried orange peel. It didn't work. The only problem with the water gun is the cats are night ninjas. I don't see them to water gun them. They're like stealth secret servicemen. Well, I think, um, you know, there must be... Well, you just have to, you know, either you've, you've got or you haven't... I'm sure there must be plants that you can put down that cats don't like the smell of, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I can't think... I'm sure there must be... Somebody will help me out on this one if you've got problems with cats. Because once they've discovered a place to use as their toilet, they keep using it. Although, to be honest, does it, does it really affect the garden that much? I don't know. Pete says, didn't uh, Paul Zerdin and Sam win the big talent show with Jonathan Watson? I think Britain's Got Talent. Uh, well, he's been around for... He's done two Royal Variety performances. Two Royal Variety performances. He's terribly good. I mean, you know, even Sam is, is good. 
and the baby. But I, you know, having used him on my Christmas show, we used him probably about two or three years ago. But as I say, I've known him since he was about 13 years old. Terribly, really nice guy. And that's why the panel there liked him. Because what you see with Paul Zerdin is, is what you get. There's, there's no pretensions. He's just a very good ventriloquist. And if there's one thing we needed in this country, it was a good ventriloquist. Piff the Magic Dragon as well. Somebody tried to rip him off on another thing with an identical act. Identical. Absolutely identical. But uh, we saw through that one, so we saw them off. Short, sharp shrift with them. But they're, they're doing really well. Doing well over. It's nice to see some British talent showing the Americans how to do it. And I think it, it could be good, actually. I think it could be good, if he, especially if he goes to uh, Vegas. Apparently, it's an automatic cat sprayer. Oh, God, I knew there was something I was going to tell you. Do you remember yesterday? I don't like to admit this to you because it shows a failing and it shows a weakness. And, and I, I don't like admitting to, uh, to having a, a weakness. And the weakness was that I, I have in my kitchen uh, an automatic water dispenser. It was a Breville. And you push the button, you filled up the tank, you push the button, and it dispensed boiling hot water. And so eventually uh, I thought, oh, and I saw another one on Cooper's, Cooper's website. And it was about 40 quid. And I thought, oh, that looks quite nice. So I buy it. And it's again, it's another machine you put in the kitchen and you fill the tank up with water. You push the button on the top and it fills up the cup until you decide and then you turn it off. The difference between that and the Breville is the Breville automatically shuts off. You, you gauge how much water you want in it. But it gives you boiling hot water instantly. So it's like boiling a kettle, but a lot faster. So I buy this thing, as you remember from yesterday. And I don't like having to admit this because it really made me out. I was so embarrassed. And I complained the other day that I couldn't make it work. I changed the fuse in the plug. I went backwards and forwards. I filled the tank up. I just couldn't find out why it didn't work. I thought perhaps it sort of takes its time. Nothing lit up. Didn't do anything at all. So I, I complained bitterly about it on air yesterday. And people were saying, well, actually, if you go onto their, their website, there is... Because I'd lost the, the manual. Because when I take something out of the box, all the packaging, I throw away. I don't want to be saddled with all this blasted packaging and boxes and polystyrene and everything else. And, um, and so I threw it all away. And by that time, the dustman had come, so it had vanished. So people said, well, if, if you go onto the internet, you can probably find out uh, all about it. So yesterday, I thought, so I tried it again. Tried a different plug in the kitchen, still didn't work. I'm, lo- I'm really getting, losing the will to live. Losing the will to live. And I'm beginning to think, I've got to send this thing back, but I don't know how to send it back because I've lost it. So I, don't- so I went onto the website and it showed a lovely picture of them using theirs. And I didn't take it in to start with. So eventually I think, well, I've got to empty this tank. So I take the tank off and I empty it. And so I'm now left with a completely empty machine, no water in it, apart from a little bit of water that's obviously gone into the into the actual system. And I uh, I go onto the website of Cooper's and I go onto the kitchen things and I look at the hot water thing and I click on the video. And I suddenly realised I'd forgotten to turn it on. Because around the back, because their machine was facing the opposite way, so you can see the little orange light. My one... I've got it round the other way, so it goes from right to left. Theirs goes from left to right. They've turned it round on the on the side. So consequently, I didn't see the little red switch on the side of it. And so I flicked that on and the thing lit up. Can't believe how stupid I was. Seriously, I mean, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. Well, it's not the dumbest thing, but it's the, the thing I'm going to tell you about this morning. And so I flicked it on and the little orange light came on. And so I pushed the button on the top and on comes the green light and boiling hot water comes out of it. So uh, I was very happy. 
very happy about it. But I thought, I've got to be honest about it. I can't lie. There's no point in lying about it. You know, I've got to hold my hands up and go, I was too dumb. I was too dumb to actually sort of realise that it had a separate switch on it. <laughs> but anyway, it works, so I'm very happy with it. And it's very good. It's probably easy for a lot of elderly people. And also, you can lift the tank off and then go and fill it up from the tap and then put it back onto the machine again. I tend to just get a water jug and fill up the tank. Holds about two and a half litres, which is probably about three or four cups of coffee, isn't it? Something like that. Uh, 84850, uk. A lot of other people, big, big fans of uh, Paul Zerdin and Sam and Piff the Magic Dragon. Actually, and you can come and, um, come and see what talent we have this year at the Magic Circle, because every year I do a, a show, all the money goes to the, uh, the funds of the Magic Circle, which is a registered charity. And um, and it's on New Year's Day. If you're one of these people who thinks, oh, what dickens are we going to do New Year's Day? You can come and see this show. The details are on the Magic Circle website. And it only holds 160 people, the theatre. So you can come in, little bar downstairs, and uh, there'll be magicians doing close-up magic for you. And you can go and visit the museum, have a look at Sooty, who the original Sooty is down there, and lots of other pieces of magical apparatus. And there's, there'll be somebody in the... Magic Circle Museum to explain what everything is. And uh, there's stuff from Houdini and Chungling Sue and all sorts of famous magicians from the past. And uh, as I say, then you get close up and then you go into the theatre and you get a, a stage show. Nice little theatre, holds about 160 people. So if you want to go, go to the Magic Circle website. Uh, a lot of people telling me about this, uh, this hose that you can get. It's a cat sprayer which stops cats going in the garden, just connects to the garden hose, and it's got a, an infrared sensor to spray them as they enter the field of view. What a brilliant idea. They don't like water, do they? I wonder why cats don't like water. I wonder why they don't like water. I think that's quite uh, quite funny. Uh, a lot of people talking about um, MPs, £80,000 a year, and the rest. Uh, why don't they work overnight? Did they stop doing so to be with their families more? I don't know, actually. I just know that we've got uh, we've got tube trains. I'm not bothered where they run overnight. To be brutally honest with you, I couldn't care less either way. It's not going to affect my life. It really isn't. Uh, Jackie says, have to agree with you going out for roast dinner. Far cheaper than buying everything. Mind you, I had a roast takeaway the other week from a pub that's three minutes from my house. It was OK. It's never going to be the same as, as you cooking it, is it? It's never, it's never, never going to be, you know, as good as you doing it. My mum did the best roast potatoes ever. What do we all want? Crispy roast potatoes. When do we want them? Now. Crispy roast potatoes. Oh, dear, you can't be... My mum used to do little roast potatoes. And she was... They were delicious. I mean, all of them were crispy. You didn't have to hunt out the crispy ones. They were all crispy roast potatoes. Uh, Wayne says, I went to Sooty's Barbecue this weekend. I had a sweepstake. Thank you. The old ones are the best. And um, uh, a lot of people talk about David Beckham and his, uh, his acting ability. <laughs> which I think is great. Apparently, chilli powder in the desired area, when the cat sniffs around to do its business, it might think twice. It also works for foxes. I think, actually, the best thing for foxes, you bring in a marksman, don't you? There are people who are trained and they've got licences and they kill foxes. I remember seeing it on the television once. If you really get a problem with them and you want to keep them out of the garden, then they... I mean, some people like seeing them there. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. We seem to have quite a number around our way. But I think that uh, that if you've got them and you've got children, maybe you're slightly scared of them. And I think you go to the local council and they will recommend somebody who can come and alleviate the problem. And he just turns up at the time and he'll, he'll watch it for a day and then he'll come back and then he just 
takes them out of the equation. Because there's quite a lot of them, quite a lot of them. Oh, here we go, because you can tell it's X Factor. You know they've already started filming this thing, so they can edit it beautifully and put it together. And it's uh, the same old people. It's, uh, you've got uh, Rochelle Humes who's uh, really a little bit butch. They try and tartar up and make her look slightly more feminine, but it doesn't quite work for me. Cheryl Fernandez Spagbol, who can't even get her own career. I don't know about anybody else's career going. Uh, you've got uh, Simon Cowell, who's the man who's looking, presumably, for, uh, for the next boy band to take over from One Direction. And uh, Nick Grimshaw, hemorrhaging audience on his radio programme. In touch with whom, I ask myself? The answer is nobody. And then uh, Caroline Flack, who's with Ollie Murs, who can't quite work out if he's a singer or he's a presenter. I don't think you can be both. I don't think it's possible to be both. I think you can either be one or the other. You know, being, being jack-of-all-trades is not particularly bright, as far as I'm concerned. 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. I was just thinking the other day, I was watching one of these dreadful jewellery channels where they flog tat to the uh, the masses who've got no idea what real jewellery is. You know, we start off with this ludicrous price of £6,000 and we come down to nine ninety nine, and the bimbo presenting it will be going, this is the rarest, I've never seen, this is so, this is for, for collectors. I thought not at nine ninety nine. it's not dear. But you have to laugh at their uh, their inability to actually connect with the real world. But I was looking at it thinking, you know when you see bracelets, chain bracelets and things like that. How do they make those? Are they made on a machine? I mean, I'm so, I'm so, I look at some sort of jewellery and I think, how do they make that? I, I need to go and sort of find out. This fascinates me. Anyway, uh, there's a big piece in the paper today about how to spot if you're type 2 diabetic. Uh, there's a lot of it about at the moment and you might be diabetic and you do not know that you are a diabetic. Um... I've always said the hard and fast rule, as far as I'm concerned, and I think for the GPs as well, is you're peeing for the country. OK, this is if you're uh, if you think you're a diabetic, you'll know by these things. You're peeing for the country. Soaring blood sugar levels in type two diabetes sends your kidneys into overdrive. Result, you're passing bucket loads of urine to flush it out of your system. And it's especially at night. And when I say going a lot, I mean, you could go pff, four times a night. Easy. Easy. And you might sweat a lot at night. That's also another another indicator because you're parched. In other words, you get very dry. So you're drinking lots of liquids. Unfortunately, the peeing and the drinking loads of uh, liquids are classic diabetes symptoms because what people don't know is they think, oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll drink orange juice because it's ice cold and that's come from the fridge. No, no, no. No, absolutely. Don't drink anything with sugar in. It just gets worse and worse. Uh, if you're feeling knackered. If you're feeling tired, that could be another sign of type 2 diabetes. Uh, your waist size is expanding. That's also. Uh, for men, you can't get an erection. Uh, your vision becomes a little bit blurred. That can happen first thing in the morning. You've got pins and needles. You keep getting boils. You've got no symptoms, but you're at risk. And if you've got any of those things, but mainly if you're weeing for the country and uh, your throat gets very dry... And uh, and your parch and you've got the blurred vision, stuff like that. All symptoms of being a diabetic. You need to go to the doctor to get yourself tested. And then the doctor can tell you if you're diabetic within seconds. They just do a simple little blood test. Simple little blood test. And if it's, uh, you know, if you're looking at the nines and the tens, there's a very good chance you're a diabetic. Mine, when I was first diagnosed, was 21. 21. But I was sweating for the country. Absolutely. I mean, I, I could soak pillows overnight. Now I'm good. Now I'm good. And I've learned what, what to eat and what not to eat. Sometimes I make a mistake, like all diabetics. And uh, sometimes 
you know, you don't make mistakes. Uh, Jackie says, you'll like this. QVC are doing countdown to Christmas all day today. Plus, there is a plant you can buy that cats hate. Can't think of the name of it. If you go to a good garden centre, they'll know. Or type in plants that cats hate. Something should uh, should come up. Yeah, you're right, actually. And um, uh, it's OK, says Ian. Houston, we have a problem. Steve just found the on-off switch. And it's madness, isn't it? I mean, honestly, I felt such a fool. It was only because when I emptied it out and I turned the machine, I picked the machine up to think, perhaps there's a button I need to push underneath. And I saw this little switch at the side. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no, Stephen, you've made, made a complete faux pas there. Not so good, I'm afraid. Not so clever. But never mind, it doesn't matter. And um, one thing here. Can you tell me where to get a podcast of this? Because I did exactly the same thing with a Dolce Gusto coffee machine. And I've had the mickey taken out of me mercilessly ever since. I can do with the support of not being the only one. Uh, this programme is available to podcast, as indeed are all my programmes and all the presenters on LBC. You go to lbc.co.uk from as little as £2 a month. You can download everything and you get to keep it. And then there's free podcasts which come out. There's an app on the LBC website lbc.co.uk and you can download that for free and then it will send the uh, the free podcast to you every single day oh the program is uh, the sorry the program the plant that can help get rid of cats is uh, is coleus canina oh, coleus really i keep coleus every year uh, first remove all the cat debris then put down ground sanitizing powder Plant the coleus where the problem is or place it there in its pot. Cats hate the smell and as the ground sanitizer will have eliminated their scent, they shouldn't be back. I've got powder and plant for a neighbour had the cat problem. She said it worked for her. I still think actually a water pistol. <laughs> I know it seems a bit old fashioned, but I quite like the idea of a, of a water pistol. Uh, the front page of the mirror today is talking about Prue Scales, her moving battle with Alzheimer's. She can't remember anything. You know, she'll, she'll watch a programme. She can't remember anything about it afterwards. Uh, she's 83. And uh, Prunella, as you know, was on LBC years and years and years ago. And many of you remember her from Faulty Tower. She's really lovely. She's really lovely. Both her and uh, Tim West. They have a, a lovely son as well, who's a very, very good actor. And uh, I worked with Prue at the Royal Wedding. Ironically, Sarah Ferguson's try and live that one down. But anyway, she can't remember anything now. It's getting really bad for her. Uh, here's Amal Clooney again. I'm a bit bored with Amal Clooney. I don't know why. And here she is out with sort of George, who's made no effort whatsoever. But um, it's uh, it's her wearing, I don't know, considering the fashion faux pas she had on the other day, uh, this one's marginally better. But I'm a bit bored with seeing pictures of her. And they went out, they hosted a bash for friends at a, uh, at a hotel in Ibiza. James Blunt and Cindy Crawford were there. But everybody's interested in the mall. <laughs> we're all quite surprised, actually. Uh, Peter Kay's losing his trademark Lancashire accent and becoming a cockney for a new BBC drama role. The Bolton comedian... I might have to take issue with that. Very irritating. He's very irritating. I saw him on... He was on Alan Carr's programme, Chatty Man. God, he was annoying. He came on and he started, you know, as opposed to just coming on and doing a nice chat and being funny and witty, he had to play the buffoon. And, you know, first time round it was funny, second time round it wasn't. time we got to the fourth time it was positively dull and I was switching channels. He just came on and he stood there and then he ran round the set a few times and then stopped. And I'm thinking, perhaps you think this is funny. Unfortunately not for most of us. But anyway, it's, uh, it's going to be called, it's uh, an eight-parter. Cradle to the Grave, based on Danny Baker's autobiography. And Peter's going to play his dad, Fred, known by the nickname Spud. Oh, well, there you go. 
I'm sure that'll be very good on the... T- an eight-parter. Good God. That'll give him some money back, won't it? Give him some money back, which he needs as well. Uh, here's the picture of, um, of Prunella Scales. They've had 52 years of marriage, but she can't remember anything, which is, you know, absolutely terrible. And for anybody else in that, in that same position, you know, you are not alone. You are not alone. Uh, there's also... Um, X stage for judges grouses. Who cares? It's just the X factor. You will watch for the first few weeks. There'll be a few silly people on there who you'll be pointing and laughing at them and going, they can't sing. And then we'll have to put up with Caroline Flack, one of the world's worst presenters, and uh, Ollie Murs. And then you'll have to put up with the panel, uh, most of whom know nothing about music, apart from Rita Ora. She's about the only one who knows about music. And Simon Cowell, of course. You know, he's the only two. I mean, I wouldn't trust Spagbol to know anything at all about music. She can't even, as I say, get her own career kick-started. The last record didn't even... Nobody bothered with it. Nobody bothered. And that, to me, smacks of uh, nobody's going to bother again. Once they've, once they've missed you first time around, they're not going to go back second time around. It's, it's the way it goes in the business. It's kind of tough, but that's it. It's a picture of Mark Wright. And uh, serving up, they say, in the 3am column, what's left of his career. He's stripped off to pose as a hunky butler in a naff promo for a yoghurt. Oh, dear. A bit much when they have to make him take his shirt off. Not very good. I thought he was going to America. That's what we were told the other week, wasn't it? They were saying he's going to America because apparently his, his wife, you know, they're really interested in putting her in big blockbusters and, you know, producers are interested in talking to him. I thought that sounded like PR puff. That's what it sounded like to me. It's trying to get some interest going in somebody. And I'm sure there is, but I, I suspect it's to, uh, to make sure that he gets his, his clothes off. And then I suddenly realised he's already taken his clothes off before. And um, apparently the Clooney marriage, Steve... It's only for entertainment. Well, it certainly provides entertainment for me. I'm fascinated by people's marriages, especially in the uh, especially in the big scheme of things. Big Hollywood star marries woman we've never heard of. Uh, Ian Highland uh, talks about Eamon Holmes and his big behind. I mean this in a caring way. He says the finest history rewriter of the week. No contest. Here's Eamon Holmes. You can't keep him off the television on Channel 5's The Best of Bad TV, discussing that fateful night back in 2006 when some Fathers for Justice campaigners barged in on him and Sarah Carwood during National Lottery Jet Set. It seemed almost like a terrorist attack. The instinct in me said, you'd better protect Sarah. But it doesn't look like that. It looks like I'm trying to hide behind Sarah. And Ian Hyland says, now I'm not calling Eamon a big fat liar, but having reviewed the footage, he definitely was behind Sarah. So we must conclude the rumoured protection he was offering Sarah was a lovely soft landing had she suddenly fallen backwards. The absolute gent. Yes, he was hiding. He looked scared out of his life. Scared out of his life. I'm a bit bored, actually, with Eamon Holmes on the toes. I like him. Don't get me wrong. I like him. I like Ruth better. But, uh, you know, he's on a bit too many things. He's an old man now. We don't want to see white-haired old men on the television popping up on game shows that are inappropriate. Katie Price on One Night Stands in Channel 5's abysmal programme. Laugh a minute. Katie Price in therapy. I believe if you make a man wait, they will respect you more. That rule just doesn't apply to bedroom shenanigans, Kate. It means if you made me wait another ten years for your next TV show, you have no idea how much respect I have for you. Yes, poor old Katie Price and her her sexual scandals. I mean, it's a bit embarrassing, really. We know that her and the handbag she drags around with her, here in known as Kieran Haler, is possibly doomed. She hates everybody. She really hates it. She's the most unhappy, miserable person you'll ever meet. The trouble is she tries to pretend that she's, uh, she's really bubbly and happy, but we know from Leandro Penner that she's as miserable as sin. And you've heard it from everybody else. She's so awful about every single husband. 
Um, you know, it's it's dreadful. It's absolutely dreadful. Poor soul. Coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning. It's Tuesday morning. It's the 25th of August. Payday! Whoopee! The tube strike is off. Whoopee! Let's hope it stays off, shall we? So at least Londoners can breathe a sigh of relief and get round to doing their normal things, which is getting from A to B. Do you know, only one in 20 UK-bound cars is checked in Calais. We've got the final fling of summer, set to be a washout. The EU rules which let child abusers enter the UK, and there's nothing we can do about it. Every pervert, every paedophile, every rapist, they're all coming in and they're living in this country. Uh, The adultery website, suicide, and the MPs to question Alan Yentob over the kids' company failings. It gets worse. I'm Steve Allen. Good morning. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Tuesday, 25th of August. Tube strike in London off. You can't imagine how much relief there is in the capital for that one. The shares crisis hammering pensions. People's investments are a real disaster. Uh, The jail threat to the bank worker. He thieved money from accounts. He's been found guilty. And uh, every picture of him grinning, you know, as if he hasn't got a care in the world. You will have. Uh, Can't pay your rent? Live on a train. There's a woman in the paper today. She's living on a train. I can't believe it. Not for much longer. Once they find her, she'll be kicked off very quickly. Hope she's paying for it. And the adultery website. Two suicides already. Amazing. And the Sunday Roast. Can't be bothered. You want to go out, don't you? Uh, Jermaine Defoe is seeking an assistant. He apparently can't do anything at all, so they're, they're, they're desperately trying to help him out. And um, Sky News inviting Ab's love from the band Five, which is now either three or two, I can't remember, to discuss bands splitting up. Why on earth you'd ever want to put him anywhere near a television programme? I can't imagine. They must have been absolutely wetting themselves laughing. Ian says, we used water pistols when training our dogs many years ago. Uh, which you probably did, actually. You probably did. This is for the lady who cannot get rid of cats in her garden. Not that she doesn't like cats. She just doesn't want them using the place as a toilet. But once they found one place, they will keep using it. So we, we suggested um, a water pistol with a bit of lemon or anything citrus in it, because they don't like that. Only a little tiny bit. It's just enough. They can't bear the smell. They cannot bear the smell of it. So that might work. Might, I say might work, because I'm, no, I'm never too sure if these, uh, if these things uh, do. But uh, you might as well try it. You've got nothing else to lose, have you? Uh, young Neil says, so you found the on switch. It's amazing how one little switch can make such a difference. Like I said yesterday, Lorraine and I really like that shop in Bishop Stortford. I can't believe it. Honestly, seriously, this is my poor water boiler in the kitchen. It's just, how stupid am I? But never mind. The older you get, you're allowed to make little mistakes and at least laugh at them afterwards. The poor battery hens are settling in well. I stood there for ages watching them yesterday as they experienced their first few steps in the outside. One gave a little run, bless her. See how happy they were. These are uh, battery hens that would have ended their lives just sitting in cages. And uh, you can, they're, they're so desperate to find homes for these. They're still capable of laying. They're still capable of laying. It's just that they've sort of got to that stage in their life where they want to have a bit of fun. They need to go out scratching in the dust to actually discover the outside world. And as you know, so many of the eggs that you buy now are not necessarily as fresh as you think they are. They do come from what loosely called 
battery hens, they might not necessarily be sitting in cages, just dispensing with eggs for the rest of their life. Their feathers fall out. Some of Neil's uh, birds have got feathers that have fallen out. They will grow back. They will grow back, but it's, it's just that they need loving homes. And they've got thousands of them that need looking after. So I'm sure that Neil will tell you where he got his from, and then we can pass it on to everybody. And they like going outside. They're very curious. Very, very curious. But uh, what they used to do, in an effort to try and make out that they weren't battery hens, is to keep them all in a big barn, thousands of them. They keep them in there for about a week, and then they'd open the doors. And, of course, hens are a little bit odd. They're a bit frightened to go outside, so they never went outside. It just stayed inside. Uh, Neil's off down to Kent for an early delivery. Kent, the Garden of England. Sounds delightful. And uh, Jason says, um, I've been a diabetic for 40 plus years now. Glad to say no longer, uh, no long term complications. With that said, and as you were talking about the toilet situation, I can confirm that in the past I've been up more times than I was laying down and the blood sugar at times must have been in the upper 30s. Upon these times, it became apparent I had too much sugar. At, uh, as, sounds ghastly. And he says, just thought you might like to mention that people out there can appreciate just how bad it is. Yeah, I mean, if you were doing 30s, you must have been eating some hell of a sugar thing. You know, if you eat before you go to bed, even something as simple as a yoghurt can send you round the bend. It really can. And so you've got to make sure that, A, you're monitored. You're either going to be on metformin or failing that. You, I mean, I'm on metformin and insulin. And uh, some nights you do kind of you go through such a routine that you kind of forget to do things. And you know when you've forgotten to do it because you wake up and you suddenly realise that you've forgotten to do it. So you have to stagger into the kitchen, find the insulin, put the needle on, do the... Oh, God, it takes for ages and ages. Uh, 8 for 850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. I wonder why so many people who text in are called Ian, says Ian. I don't know. Perhaps it's, uh, I was going to say it's a very common name, but it's obviously a very popular name. Obviously a very popular name, which I think is is probably the way forward, isn't it? You know, if you're going to be called Ian. I always thought that Ian would be a name that you can uh, sort of set the benchmark at. You can tell somebody's age if they're called Ian. I would think that they would probably be about 40, you know, 45. That would be an Ian, would it? I don't know. Uh, Malcolm says, Prue Scales and her husband have an interesting programme about life on the canals in a houseboat. Yes. And uh, the women living on a train is as safe as houses. Wouldn't get discovered or kicked off. There's no guards. But when the train goes in for for nighttime, is she still on it then? Is she still on it? I mean, I thought that when it went into, I prefer to call it the sidings, dry dock or something like that. This is a woman who, who lives on a train. And um, we'll come around to her a little bit later on. I would have thought that they'd wander through it to make sure there was nobody sleeping on it. So whether or not she's being truthful or whether or not it's just a good a good story, I've got no idea. I might try and unravel it in a in a second. Excuse me one minute. That first cup of coffee in the morning. It's what kickstarts your day. That's what kickstarts my day. I'm very good with a cup of coffee in the morning. It used to be a cup of tea, now it's a cup of coffee. Here's uh, Harry Styles. The hysterical One Direction fans are really, they're not coping with it. I don't know why. Because if you're a fan of Harry Styles then, you know, you're still going to follow Harry Styles, whatever he does. They don't spend very much time in this country anyway, so it's not going to make the slightest difference. They just need to sort of grow up a little bit, and they will. They will. You know, uh, which paper had the diabetic information? The Mirror today, The Mirror. But as I say, I've read the whole article, so uh, so now you know about it. And here he is. This is uh, Jermaine Defoe with his mum, and um, he wants a PA. 
He wants to pay someone less than a week's worth of his wages for 12 months, not just to stock his fridge and pick out his designer clothes, but also run his global brand and take care of his mother. In a job ad, this is from Jermaine Defoe, um, he's, he's looking for an executive personal assistant. OK. He earns up to £70,000 a week. He's offering sixty grand a year for basically somebody to do everything that he's incapable of doing. He's moved the goalposts quite phenomenally. Manage and organise individual family members, Sandra, Andre, Chante and Chase, family pets. Create an inventory for holiday villas. Create a global brand for the Jermaine Defoe name. Not for 60 grand, you tight-fisted so-and-so. Book all social events, such as theatre, concerts, cinema, musicals. Jermaine Defoe at the theatre, don't make me laugh. Create Defoe's own clothing line, stroke fragrance, for sale on his website. Select and organise his wardrobe with specific designers for special events like Oswald Boateng, Harrods. Produce Defoe's own iPhone apps. Grow his online database for his website, Twitter, Facebook and other social networking platforms. And be flexible to travel abroad and across the country throughout the year at short notice and on call 24-7. I tell you what, pal, you're the tightest person I've ever heard of. I cannot believe that that's serious. Even got to look after his mother. Oh, sorry. And, uh, and stock his, his fridge. Can you believe it? I mean, he's not serious. He can't. And for 60 grand a year, the PA will also act as property manager in charge of the Defoe Homes portfolio in the UK and abroad, managing all security, refurbishments, household staff, cleaning, guarding and interior design. You really are the tightest person we've ever come up with. It was placed on a recruitment website the other day. It reminds candidates, 60 grand a year, ladies and gentlemen, that they will be working for a high-profile individual, so they must maintain the highest level of confidentiality. I suggest nobody in their right mind would go anywhere near you. This is the man who has had a string of women. <laughs> Wait for the class. Here we go. This is the classy list that poor old Jermaine Defoe has been out with. Imogen Thomas, Chantel Houghton and Danielle Lloyd. Oh, God. And you think you're going to get somebody to do all of that for 60 grand a year? You're more stupid than you look. More stupid than you look. I love it, honestly. They're so dumb, these people, aren't they? You think somebody's going to do all of that? That's about ten different jobs. Ten different jobs. Oh, dear. Can't wait to see what poor sap is going to actually go for that. Uh, The One Direction fans are the £27 million mummies, boys. Apparently, one here has uh, written on on one of the websites, generally going to top myself if One Direction split up. Another post reads, if One Direction take a break and split, I'm going to kill myself. What? These people need medical help. They're not normal. What, because a, because a little assembled Boise band is splitting up? I can understand how it works. I'm not naive enough to not know how the whole thing works. But, you know, Zayn Malik left. I don't think anybody was particularly bothered about that. Least of all the remaining members of, uh, of One Direction. You know, when, when he announced he, he was leaving, apparently teenagers posted pictures of themselves. Pfft, who cares? Who cares, honestly? And, uh, and now Professor Craig Jackson, head of psychology, urged parents to look out for changes in their children's behaviour. Well, because One Direction are going to go their separate ways. Not like they've sort of given up or they've announced they're all gay or something like that. Not that that would make any difference either. Ridiculous. I've never anything like it. I'm going to top myself. <gasps> Dear. Steve, the Beatles actually played instruments. 
the manufactured One Direction guys don't. No comparison. No, I always quite like it when you have a picture of them holding a guitar. Because you know damn well if somebody said, OK, play us something, you know you'd be stretching the bounds of credibility. Uh, Martin says, I wouldn't get out of bed for 60 grand a year. I certainly wouldn't be working for Jermaine Defoe. Can you imagine? You've got to run all his properties, arrange all, just arrange everything. The man must be an idiot. Perhaps he's got no idea. Mind you, you look at the women he's dated. We're not exactly talking top shelf here, are we? Uh, another one coming in on the subject of uh, diabetes. Abdul says, I've been type 2 since 2004. My diabetes was bad. I was taking insulin four times a day, but recently had a gastric bypass pass and now only inject myself twice a day. Plus, I've lost a lot of weight and my diabetic nurse is very happy. Well, I have, as you know, a a pen which um, has got uh, some sort of thing in it which stops you eating. It works like an appetite suppressant. Here we go. Windmill time. Sorry, the lights go off. It's ridiculous. Every so often, if you don't move, the lights just go click and they go off and you have to sort of sit there going, hello, it's not being a windmill. And uh, Ian says, I'm sure the local pharmacy could do a basic type 2 test for you. I'm sure they could actually. And then refer you to the GP, which is good. Uh, Iceman says, I woke up in the sidings of Effingham Junction, pits of the world. Not a staff member in sight. Nightmare to get home. So they obviously don't check the trains, do they? Maybe she's in the Lord, Steve, and doesn't want to fork out on a pad in the city. Is she able to get refreshments? Well, she uses apparently the... Um, the basin in the toilets for washing. I mean, can't be very hygienic, can it really? I'm trying to find out who she is, actually. And, um, I, and I will find out, I promise you. Quarter past five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, 5.20. Michael Dennis, the Black Cab Poet, says, Spot on. Spooky, in fact. My brother Ian will be 45 in December. And uh, another one here says, I caught that interview, Steve, with abs. It was painful viewing. He can barely string a meaningful sentence together. Oh, he's a complete idiot. Seriously, I mean, I don't know where he's come from. Enfield, I, I realise. But, I mean, what a, what a bozo, really. Never seen anything like it. Uh, Lee's in uh, sunny Beijing. I wouldn't mind being in sunny Beijing this morning. And uh, Pamela says, I did switch on the light at the bottom, but I didn't press the on switch at the top because I thought it had to boil first before that. Oh, dear. This is the, uh, the, the Cooper's boil hot water thing. Such a nuisance. We're such idiots, aren't we? It's terrible. Uh, the tube used to be open all night years ago, then became filthy as the homeless would sleep on them all night going round. Yes, I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to police it. I seriously don't know how they're going to police it. It's bad enough as it is at the moment. Somebody says, please check for diabetes. Says, Tony, follow what the doctors tell you. I've lost one leg and I'm having trouble with the other one. A lot of amputees. A lot of diabetics lose toes and, and legs and all sorts of limbs, mainly in the lower half. So you, when you go and you have your checks, they do test that you've got feeling and circulation in your feet because that's, uh, that's the big problem. And a lot of people don't look after their feet. People might laugh, ladies and gentlemen, when I talk about my, uh, my little seat in the shower. But I promise you, at least you can do your feet, which is good. Jane says, with the warm weather, it must smell uh, pretty unpleasant on the trains. Well, I've suddenly discovered more on this woman here. I'll give you a clue. Her name's Leonie Muller. Yes, she's not on a train in this country, ladies and gentlemen. She's in Stuttgart. She's at uh, Tübingen University in southwest Germany. So she packs all her belongings and her wash bag into a backpack and takes it everywhere with her. She pays 240 quid for a monthly season ticket, saving £50 a month. On the 290, she'd been forking out for digs. A whole £50 a month. Hardly worth bothering, is it? 50 quid a month. What, a tenner a week? Not worth it. So anyway, so she does... um, 
She does do that. A spokesman for the uh, Deutsche Bahn, whose trains Leone uses, says, there are many people who are in a train a lot of the time. That's not so unusual. Yeah, but to actually be living in it is a bit unusual. I don't think you get away with it here, but you're quite right that if we have 24-hour tubes in London, you will have homeless people down there. You'll have drunks, uh, people who go down. I mean, let's face it, all these people can manage to get onto the trains quite easily. They must do. We, we get the Romanian gypsies, the beggars on some of our trains, and the guard has to announce, do not give any money to these beggars on the train. They come and put a pe- packet of tissues down by you. You know, who wants a packet of tissues on a train, for goodness sake? And uh, you just ignore them. But they get off the platform, then get back on another train. They're backwards and forwards on trains all day. They must have got onto the platform. I can't see them buying, you know, a ticket to go anywhere at all. Because they're far too crooked for that. But you do get that a lot. You get drunks on trains. Dreadful, really, isn't it? I mean, they're absolutely dreadful. And, uh, you know, it's sort of people who are taking advantage of people. I told you that um, uh, the, uh, the train system now is that uh, so many people, and you can watch it on a daily basis at Twickenham, with the people who are working on a building site very close to the station, uh, don't want to pay for a ticket. So two of them rush the barrier or they'll jump it. And the foul language that comes from them, if I was running this building site, I wouldn't, wouldn't want these crooks on it at all. Hopefully the lady on the train is not in bad health. And uh, no, she's not. She's a student. She's 23. She's 23. She's cheating the system. You know, she's decided that that's what she wants to do. So she's saving the magnificent sum of uh, 50 quid a month. I'd rather be in a bedsit, wouldn't you, than sitting on a train. It's ridiculous. Abs is a kind-hearted chap. Oh, go away. He's a boring little windbag. He's no talented person at all. Nothing. Nothing at all. He does have cultural immaturity. Well, actually, if he had the gift of speaking, I could uh, I could have some modicum of sympathy for him, but I have no sympathy for Abs Bream whatsoever, or Abs Loves, or whatever he wants to call himself at the moment. A man who's made no money out of the business at all. Uh, Michelle says, oh dear, what another footballer thinking he's God's gift. I guess there'd be no shortage of bimbo airheads applying for that job. 60 grand a year. Well, I mean, if you're looking at somebody who can do house management and can do all these other things and book theatre tickets and everything else, you can't put a bimbo in it. She won't have the faintest idea. They have to go to the jewellery channels. They can't be doing that and they're not getting 60 grand a year. So, you know, you pay somebody 60 grand a year. Basically, he wants somebody to do everything for him because he's obviously useless. Obviously, completely and utterly useless. Have you ever met anybody more useless? Yes, I have. <laughs> I tell you who's lost an awful lot of weight. Jamie Oliver. He started eating seaweed, apparently. And uh, he's, I think, just hit his 40th birthday. And, um, and he looks an awful lot better. He was never the best-looking thing. But he's lost a lot of weight. Lost a lot of weight now by eating healthily. Isn't that funny? All these years working in a kitchen, only now has he started eating healthily. So he was uh, he started eating seaweed and I think going to a gym or something like that. It's always very interesting, isn't it, when all these people uh, start losing weight and the papers print a picture of them and people go, oh, I want to go on that diet. The diet is little and often. It's not complicated. Uh, here's a reality TV star, they say. You've got no idea who, who she is. Her name is Ampika Pixton. No, I've never heard of her either. But apparently she's a reality TV star. And I thought, oh, maybe she's in Guatemala. Somebody called Ampika Pixton. No, apparently she's, uh, she's in this country. And she's one of these who's on the, uh, the uh, Real Housewives of Cheshire. You know, and to be honest with you, I mean, it's the worst programme you've ever seen. They're so lame. 
I think even Harry Styles' mother appears on it. A little bit disappointing. Anyway, this is the beauty entrepreneur. Looks like she's wearing a horse's mane stuck to her head. She was not at home when uh, when somebody broke in. Uh, three masked raiders in hail. That's what all the masked raiders are, aren't they? They're in hail. Do you think they're all ex-footballers going up there going, you've got a bigger house than I have. She's got a pokey little house here. Anyway, they, they dragged her housekeeper upstairs and threatened her. And uh, the property stolen includes a Harry Winston watch worth 35000 a Tag Heuer worth uh, 3000 a £1,000 bottle of perfume and two Chanel handbags. You don't think they're cross-dressing burglars, do you, by any chance? I mean, what the dickens do you want with two handbags? Unless, of course, they were that way inclined. Uh, Mrs Khan, who was watching television when the men rushed in, said, they said, if you don't scream, you'll be all right. But I couldn't make a sound because I've got asthma. And apparently, uh, mother of one, Mrs Pickstall, a regular in the show, but as a nobody knows who you are, darling, it makes not the slightest difference. You're just somebody else. And uh, Mrs Khan was in. They obviously didn't have any security in this house. Somebody was able to walk in and get in that easily. You know, obviously, you know, loads of money, no brain, ladies and gentlemen. They drove off in her silver Mercedes-Benz and then they abandoned it. Apparently, uh, producers broke the news of the raid to Mrs Pixton as she attended a screening of this boring programme last week. Greater Manchester Police says inquiries are ongoing. Well, they'll have to be, won't they? But to be honest with you, I mean, if you left all the doors and windows open, of course somebody's going to walk in. And how would they know you've got this? Because you've stupidly gone on a television programme. That's why I couldn't understand for a life of me why we've got Muslim drag queens as a programme on the television. What an embarrassment. Apart from the fact they look so ghastly. It doesn't make any difference whether they're Muslim or Chinese. It couldn't, make, it couldn't care less. Couldn't care less at all. I just think that somebody who's claiming that, you know, their life has been threatened, putting yourself on television is hardly the most intelligent thing to do. Ghastly programme. Ghastly, ghastly programme. Other stories which are in the papers today. Uh, the jail threat. This is um, a bank worker. Uh, Mark Cooney, and uh, he stole £200,000 from the bank. He worked, uh, he was a a customer advisor. I love the picture of him. He's smiling, laughing into his telephone. Don't be laughing for much longer, mate. And uh, a court heard he transferred money to himself or authorised a bank card. He's obviously quite bright at 26. He just siphoned money into his online habit. Uh, because he had a gambling addiction. Yes, I'm gambling on how long it's going to be before somebody wants you for a boyfriend in prison. He took more than £100,000 from the accounts of two men. Over two years, he plundered 231000 He'd earlier admitted five counts of fraud at Halifax and Lloyd's. He was caught when internal auditors who monitor high-value accounts noticed the loss. They've been doing it for two years. They're a bit slow, aren't they? Anyway, the customers and families have been reimbursed. Off to prison for you, sweet pea. But I'm sure you'll make lots of new friends and uh, they'll absolutely love you. I cannot bear Joe Swash. I cannot bear Joe Swash. I think he's possibly one of the rudest people I've ever seen on the television and the most talentless. How many times bankrupt now? I've lost track of it. But they've done a piece on him. And so all of a sudden I felt a modicum of sympathy. The trauma of Dad's death is still with me. And I thought, oh, as he struggled to cope after losing his father to an undisclosed heart condition. His father was a cab driver. Of course, top of the list of heart attacks. Sitting on your bottom all day, not getting any exercise, is not particularly good. And then I suddenly realised, I thought, how old is, is Joe Swash? I thought he must be, must be late 30s, mustn't he, by now? Anyway, this happened when he was 11 years old. And he's still doing it now. I don't know. His dad, Ricky, died uh, of this undisclosed heart condition. Oh, there we are. Joe Swash is 33. He played Mickey Miller 
in the BBC soap, but that was ages ago. Now he doesn't uh, doesn't do anything at all, really. He just turns up on these rather lame game shows where he sort of uh, screeches his way through something. I can't see any more acting on the cards for him at all. Imagine going back to something that happened when you were 11. 11 years old, like you can remember. He doesn't look as I can remember last Thursday, does he, really? Uh, 84850, steve at uh, The Housewives of Cheshire, even worse than Tamara and Vicky from the Housewives of Orange County. No, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. I mean, they really are, and they're evil. Tamara is the evil witch from from any movie you can think of, and Vicky, so old, so old. I mean, you could literally stretch her skin up from underneath her chin, and you could pull it over her head. It's only because she shot through Hessian. That's the only reason. A brand new for Jamie... It's kelp in no time. A little bit of thing, won't it? There will be something. This is Jamie swears by seaweed. So we'll all have to eat seaweed because it'll be something to cash in on. I quite like the idea. You know, we're a bit faddish, aren't we? A little bit faddish in this country. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. A uh, couple of things, <coughs> excuse me, uh, in the newspaper today. First of all, the Red Arrows. I don't know if you've ever seen the Red Arrows. You probably have if you've been to organised air displays. Apparently, they have turned down Shoreham every year because they said it just wasn't safe. They said there was nowhere for them to land a plane. They feared a major accident at Shoreham. And they said there's nowhere to put a plane down without killing someone. So they refused point blank to do an aerobatic display, only agreeing to perform a straight fly past with red, white and blue smoke coming out of the back of the jets. They're not going to do anything like that. However, uh, when you look at this disaster and how some people survived it, it's only an act of sheer, of sheer God watching down on them because this fireball explodes literally within feet. There is a group of people standing there who managed to escape this. It's absolutely amazing. The chauffeur who was killed on his way to the wedding was a former para. And this is Maurice Abrahams, who's about to pick up the bride-to-be and uh, lost his beloved car. Uh, and he lost his life as well. However, possibly the stupidest man that you can ever encounter is called Lewis MacDonald. Why would you think that Lewis MacDonald would be named on Steve Allen's programme as one of the stupidest people in the country? He went to Shoreham. And uh, he went there. I think it was a birthday treat. He says the accident ruined his birthday and he wants to know how he can get his money back. Seriously. He says, I know it sounds callous. This is what he actually uh, treated. And uh, this this post has now been taken down fairly quickly because I should imagine they'll be throwing rotten eggs at him, if not worse. He says, I know it sounds callous, REF Shoreham Air Show, but I'd like to know how to get the money that my dad spent back in his account. We didn't get a full day's worth out of the tragedy. I mean, you can't explain stupidity, can you, really? But here it is, a classic example of somebody who is so dim and so blinkered and so narrow-minded, he has no idea how much... Oh, sorry, how much this is going to uh, to upset people. You know, people died, and he puts up on the social media that he wants to know how his father's going to get his money back because they didn't manage to get the full day and see all the things that they wanted to. I mean, I predict that by tomorrow morning, this man is going to be plastered over every newspaper. Lewis MacDonald 
you know, you really are the stupidest person. You then later apologised, but unfortunately, once you've posted something like this, because people died, I'm afraid that uh, there is no respite away from you. You know, you're going to be pilloried in the press. I should imagine, from uh, from tomorrow, hundreds of people flock to denounce him, many branding him a disgrace. He should be grateful to be alive. I think he's just, uh, he's just a disgrace. I think he's an abs- He did say, I have a history of saying and doing some pretty stupid things. And so, unfortunately for you... Lewis MacDonald, people died here. And for you to write this, whether as in jest or whether being serious, shows just somebody who is so crass, you deserve to be absolutely taken out and hung out, I'm afraid, to dry. I mean, you really are the most appalling person I think I've ever come across. The crash ruined my early birthday treat. Really. I think the misery for you is probably just about to start, and I think you'll probably realise. Shane the Train says they fitted these auto-dimming lights in one of our mess rooms without telling anybody. I was trying to read a paper and it was getting harder and harder and fainter by the second. I was starting to panic. Yes, we have uh, lights in all our studios and um, and all of the uh, the offices that if nobody's uh, walked through or done anything for a while, they turn themselves off. It's It's saving... Um, on the electricity. It's very clever. Very, very clever indeed. But unfortunately, in the in the studio, if the producer uh, is sitting down in there, <coughs> excuse me, and he's sort of, he's just sort of, you know, doing little things on the computer, the, the lights think that nobody's moving in the room. So all of a sudden, they just turn themselves off. And so all of a sudden, the producer has to stand up and start doing his whirling dervish act just to make sure that it looks, you know, particularly good. It's a great act. Very good act. Very good act. But it's uh, because Nick Abbott has to do exactly the same. And it always makes me laugh when you can hear him going on air. The lights have gone off again. And he gets quite angry about it. I like it when Nick Abbott gets angry. It always makes me feel... Um, <laughs> always makes me feel funny. Uh, 84850, uk. And uh, another one here says, John, there's an old saying, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Yes. And uh, Waj is listening as well to the programme this morning. Uh, pay bias means women work for free. Where? Perhaps you better tell Jermaine Defoe. He'll be looking for somebody to work for free, won't he? When you look at all the uh, the jobs. But the One one Direction story rolls on as now you've got uh, the boys and their mums and what the boys have bought for them. Uh, interesting, Niall's mum, uh, uh, n- not a new house, but he has paid off her mortgage. Uh, Louis's mum... Uh, gets a, a Yorkshire home worth £430,000. Of course, I mean, in London, we laugh at £430,000. You can't even buy a flat round my way. They start at 500000 and uh, And so he goes, he's, he's bought us somewhere. We could probably buy the whole of Yorkshire for that. Harry's mum has got a £500,000 Parkland house and has appeared on Real Housewives of Cheshire. How tacky. And uh, Zane's mum, Tricia, she gets home in Bradford, 280 grand, but it's got four bedrooms. They have to justify it. So, in other words, perhaps they haven't got as much money as we thought. I think what's happened to a million-pound house? And uh, Leanne's mum, Karen, she's got a £400,000 detached home, but they don't say if Leanne bought it. Because they're really young, aren't they, really? But, uh, but sad news for Fiona Birkbeck, who's a financial and administrative supervisor from Teesside. She lives with her husband, Richard, who owns an engineering company, and she's got three children, Scott... Alex and Ellie. And Ellie's world has come crashing down because Ellie is a fan of One Direction. Nothing prepared her. She's listened to One Direction songs. Uh, her bedroom is a shrine to One Direction. You see, I blame parents for this. You know, I don't think kids should have a shrine to a made-up pop group. I really don't. I don't think it. But apparently, uh, she swoons over any new picture. And uh, when she heard... 
that um, that they were splitting. Apparently, she sobbed uncontrollably. She became obsessed in 2012, and um, uh, Harry Styles, the long-haired one, is Ellie's favourite. Her aunt gave her a professional drawing of him that she keeps in a frame near the bed, and I'm sure she kisses it every night. You see, this is just not normal. You're never going to get to meet these people. They're just up there on a stage. You have to put a gauze in front of them and sort of go, listen, you're not going to go out with them. They're not going to go out with you. Although, if you hang around long enough, Zayn Malik will probably get round to you. But, um, you know, she's, uh, she's, she, she's very upset. And so mums are trying to deal with the fallout of things like that. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Everything we shall weave in to the programme this morning. Uh, you'd think that that man is a complete disgrace. It's amazing, actually, how many of you are, are now talking about him. This is Lewis MacDonald, who complained that he didn't get his full day's worth out of the tragedy and wants to know how his dad can get the money back from the Shoreham Air Show. I think, as I say, you're going to be getting sort of more back than you can ever imagine. By, by tomorrow morning, I think you'll be in every single newspaper. Chris in Manchester uh, says, I'm horrified by the guy asking for a refund from the Shoreham Air Show. Quite gobsmacked. Having looked online, it would seem he isn't the only one. Absolutely disgusted. These people are simpletons. Simpletons. You know, and they are people who, who just uh, are going to be egged. I think I, w- I would happily go out and egg people. You know, listen. Simple as that. There's no, there's no words that can ever describe what you think he is, because you know what he is, don't you? Steve, eating seaweed, is this real seaweed, kelp, or is this the fake seaweed you buy in the Chinese restaurant? Yeah, well, the fake seaweed, as you know, is cabbage. The, the stuff you get in the Chinese restaurants is cabbage. I was really disappointed when I discovered it was cabbage. I seriously thought it was seaweed. I thought I was being really adventurous. They go, oh, so what are you eating? I go, seaweed. And they go, wow, you had seaweed? Oh, yeah. And then you suddenly realise it's cabbage, fried, deep fried cabbage. You can buy it, actually, in Waitrose. You can buy a, a pack of it. Unfortunately, it's really bad for you because it's dripping in fat. In fact, when you, when you actually take it out of the box, the bottom of the box is, is soaking wet. But it's so delicious, isn't it? There's something, there's something about seaweed. We eat it. And the, the Chinese must sit there going, they're eating cabbage. They're eating cabbage. But I do like it. I do like it. I'm very, very impressed with things like that. I think the stuff that Jamie Oliver is going to be telling you about, and it'll probably pop up on his television programme, is going to be kelp, isn't it? I think it's going to be something that you can cook. What's that other f- stuff that you buy? They, they sell it in Sandy's, the fish shop, and I think Paul Cooper does it as well. Samphir. I think it's Samphir, and I think that sort of goes with fish and, and stuff like that. I think, I think it's a case of it's actually really, really nice, and kids like it as well, which is good, isn't it? Spring green in Chinese restaurant, says Paul Cooper. Spring green. He's had his new flooring put down in the new shop. And with a bit of luck, with a wee bit of luck, we'll have the blinds at some point this week. New blinds. Because you know Paul Cooper's got the shop and the they're doing this building up. One of the oldest buildings in Twickenham. So he's had new flooring done, everything, all new units at the back. It's going to look really posh. Very, very posh. And... Um, and then they're going to have... What else are you going to have done? Oh, that's, he's, he's got the new flooring going down and it's going to have new baskets, new black thing outside and all sign written. All nice. Can't wait. Can't wait. I love it when a new shop takes place. Well, a new shop is an old shop, if you get my, my meaning. And it's a proper place. It's, it's proper greengrocer. You know, proper potatoes. Not things sort of vacuum-packed, which you actually get nowadays. Uh, front page of The Independent is a picture of uh, somebody falling in a steeplechase. I can't get over... Um, you know, people who run for a living. It doesn't actually do anything for me, but that's just my uh, my my thought on it. Uh, and Grace Dent, writing The Independent, says, you can't grow up until your beloved boy band has split. And over the years, they've all split. As I said at the beginning of the programme, there are more and more people 
who uh, who have split up, you know, boy bands, and then people go, ooh, I can't cope with it. And you do remember, only a short while ago, take that, they had to open up special helplines. But when you've got fans saying things like, I'm going to top myself, this is some mental illness, this is not right at all. They are going to separate, it's as simple as that. Whether they get back together again, and I suspect they have to say, oh, don't worry, we will be getting back together. I mean, I think... You know, that's highly unlikely. Once they've separated, they've gone their own ways. It'll be like the Spice Girls. They'll find other things to do. And so I think, really, there's not going to be not going to be much going on. Just in case young girls may have a, an interesting original thought one day, uh, they're being bombarded with this kind of trashy media, made-up groups that are marketed for this age group. Or am I just being paranoid? No, they are made up. It's, a, it's a, an assembled group. If you remember, they all appeared on the programme separately. They, they put them together. Because Simon Cowell said, if I, if I remember correctly, um, individually, not much cop, but together we can make a supergroup. And they made a supergroup. So he's going to be looking for another one. He's going to be looking for another one because they were the cash cow for years. Cash cow for themselves and for, and for Psycho. So, you know, really, really good. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Poor old Phil says, I feel like topping myself every time a new boy band forms. One Direction fans had it coming. Well, we knew it wasn't going to last, didn't we? I mean, everything's got a shelf life, I think, to be honest. Five years was a pretty good shelf life. Pretty good shelf life. It's a bit like sort of Katie Price dragging out what she laughingly calls a career. And as Ali Ross says today, you have to assume Katie Price must have another autobiography to flog as she's broken an uncharacteristically long silence to spill her self-pitying guts all over Channel 5. A painful self-indulgence called Katie Price in therapy with Brazilian psychiatrist Dr Claudia Bernat, who interviewed the old drone in front of a brass pineapple lampshade and might as well have been talking to it for all the impact she seemed to have. Because Katie is listening to no one but the voices inside her own head. Proper dialogue is not required. Indeed, the woman is so completely self-absorbed that uh, insanely annoying habit of telling the other people what they're thinking. You'll laugh when I tell you this. I won't. Although sometimes I admit it's sometimes hard to avoid joining the long list of doormats who've given Katie Price everything she demands. When she tells Dr. Burnett stuff like, all this hurt, all this pain, it must be stored because I feel like I need my head cut off. Ali Ross writes, blunt spade will travel. <laughs> I mean, she is. She's got the most boring voice you've ever heard. It's almost as if somebody has, has given somebody a boring monotone voice and, uh, and stuck it in her head. Nobody's interested in her dreary life. Nobody cares. And that's the trouble, isn't it? As I say, we're, we're counting the days till Kieran Haler's kicked out of the door. Mind you, when uh, Eamon Holmes, random things that you hear on the television, do you know what sort of restaurants I like when I'm abroad? I was guessing 24-7, Eamon. Guessing 24-7. What was the other thing? There was something else that I remember seeing. Oh, that's right. The understatement of the television week. The TV that made me. Brian Connolly, who we love dearly, to Stephen K. Amos. There's a story. Did you get into comedy quite late? 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 The BBC gave him his own series in 2010, and he still isn't under starter's orders. It doesn't get much later than that. Yes, Stephen K. Amos, there's something about him, I can't remember what it was. There's something in the back of my mind, something happened with Stephen K. Amos, that all of a sudden meant he never appeared on television. He was like Hardeep Singh. One minute he was on television, and then they stopped using him for, for, let's just call it an incident, I think. Over on, I think, Channel 5. It might be somewhere else. It's, uh, you know, it's odd people who turn up. And there was something about Stephen K. Amos. And I can't remember the life of me, what it is. Uh, more on... Oh, look, Professor Green has reared his ugly head in the paper. And uh, he's actually the one married to Millie McIntosh, otherwise known as The Drunk. 
I think it's so much easier. And they're in therapy at the moment to try and save their marriage. They've been married precisely that quickly. Eamon Holmes predicts that uh, One Direction will run out of money and get back together. And as everybody points out to poor old Eamon, who's so deluded, that 25 million, they're not going to be running out any time soon. You know, best you don't talk about things you don't know anything about. And soaring numbers of drivers are being sued for whiplash up to three years after shunts, urged on by lawyers promising big cash payouts. The delay makes uh, makes suspect claims harder to contest, say the experts. It's the biggest, um, the biggest rip-off in the industry. You can't ever prove whiplash. So that's what they always say. I remember I had an accident, and the first thing they said to me was, uh, do you suffer any neck pains? They were looking for it. They were looking for things like that. There's one here, uh, a footballer fakers tweeting his own goal. And uh, this is Gary Burnett, who's another crook. He was caught tweeting about playing football the day after his crash. The semi-pro said he suffered neck and back pain in the Prang in Greater Manchester, ordered to pay the insurers a viva, 11 grand for being fundamentally dishonest for that read, crook. Another one as well, model Amy Laban, a Miss England girl. She was jailed for two months after making a false whiplash claim. Lawyers for Eshaw found a Twitter snap of her on a bucking bronco ride. She admitted contempt of court in prison, love. You crook. There's all these people out there. They're the tip of the iceberg. There's loads of these people. There's going to be a story I can talk about, but not just yet. Because at the moment it's currently in, uh, in court. And once it's in court, we have to leave it until the outcome. But I'm, I'm predicting something really good. And I can't wait to do the story. I cannot wait to do the story. I'm chomping at the bit to do the story. Now you get certain things in the paper, you think, oh, I so want to do that. It's like Stephen K. Amos. Something in the back of my mind is not right about Stephen K. Amos, and I'm blown if I can remember what the dickens it is. I'm sure it will happen. Ruth says the original manufactured boy band, the Monkeys, are touring again. Well, I mean, two of them. Mickey Dolenz and Peter Torkar. Mike Nesmith wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't need to do it. He never imagined that he was going to do it anyway. He made a lot of money. His, uh, his aunt uh, invented liquid paper. And so, consequently, uh, you know, he, does, he doesn't need to do it. And he never wanted to do it. And they, the monkeys were good. There's a DVD out on Amazon. Just type in the monkeys. And it's them on tour. And it's, it's quite nice. They've got a really tight band with them. Mickey Dolan sings most of the songs anyway. He was mainly the singer. It's just that you remember little Davy Jones. Because Davy Jones was a little cute one with the tambourine and the little dance and all the rest of it. And um, Peter Talk we've had on LBC. He's, uh, I think, still in the archives. You can still download. If, if, if he was three years ago, he might have been a bit more than that, actually. And he was really, really interesting. But uh, all their stuff was, was manufactured. There was loads of these manufactured bands out there. The Bay City Rollers never sang on their first two hits. You know, they, they, they didn't feature there, but then they, they had the hit, Keep On Dancing was the first one, I think. And then they, they had to find a band, so they put a band together. And then, of course, they all imagined. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, classic example. They had sort of people in that band. They never played an instrument in their life. It was hilarious. But that's how the charts work. That's what it is. In the case of One Direction, I don't think they can play instruments. <coughs> they might walk around holding a guitar, but, you know, I might as well walk around holding a triangle. Yesterday on the news, says Gavin, they gave out. We had a month's worth of rain, really. Who cares? Can you imagine ringing a friend up and he or she replies, can't stop now, I'm measuring the rain. What a fantastically fulfilling job. Well, they do measure the rain. That's what a Stevenson screen does. It measures the rain. It's got the temperature things in there and everything else. We used to measure it all the time. I mean, I agree with you. You know, a month's worth of rain in one day. Who cares? 
Who cares? I mean, you know, it's rain. If it was acid rain, I could understand it. Oh, no, she's still alive, isn't she? Or is she? I can't remember. And, um, and so you actually sort of get it raining, and we go, we put an umbrella up. I saw no end of people yesterday. It was tipping it down, and people walking on the street without an umbrella, and you think, do you not listen to LBC? I felt like going up to them saying, you should listen to LBC. It will educate you in the morning, and it will tell you if it's going to rain or be sunny which is what I'm going to do in about uh, probably a minute's time. No, I'll do it the other side of the news at six and tell you what the weather is, which means that I'll then be repeating what they've said on the news. Because you need to know, if it's going to rain, take an umbrella. I'm amazed how many people do not have umbrellas. And they go out and they get absolutely drenched. Absolutely drenched. And I, I just can't understand it. Why would you want to get somewhere where you're soaking wet? You stand there. Oh, God, it's awful. Uh, what about Daniel O'Donnell and Cliff fans? You can never grow up until your idol crush has been disbanded. Well, Cliff's had fans who've been with him for, pff, I should imagine, a good 50 years. A good 50 years. His tour will, will sell out. I'm not sure whether he's looking forward to it uh, as much as the fans are. You know, I think he's kind of given up with this country after that uh, disgraceful police exercise together with the BBC. And uh, he's lost all his faith. Lost all his faith in, in the people over here. Never charged with anything at all. And uh, people have to suffer these things. There was a guy the other day, he was responsible for the group Spellbound. And he was up in court on charges. And it was all dismissed out of hand. There was nothing to answer. Unfortunately, he's now lost his job. You know, it all it all reacts. It all sort of comes back on people. Hardeep Singh Cole apparently made some comments about a production assistant. Yeah, I'd, it was something like that, wasn't it? And then got suspended. I never liked him. I never liked him at all. You look at some people and you think, oh, what are they on there? I always watch the right stuff. Because I love Ma- I love Matthew Wright. I think he's he's very good at what he does. He's very clever. He had a super show on LBC years ago. He's very good at doing a round table, and uh, he won't remember. But I bumped him from the BBC, and I made a I, I said something about him. Actually, the next time I bump into him, I'll have to remind him of it. And uh, he was very good. But some of the guests on the panel they have, where do they get them from? Is there a home for people who think they're very good or something? Terrible. Uh, I thought Katie Price loved horses. She keeps flogging this poor old nag. Oh, she does. she's flogging the same old story that we've heard a million times before. Seriously, we know about Harvey. You know, I think she makes things up. I think she sits there, and because she's got voices in her head, and that's really what sort of drives her to distraction, I think, you know, she says, I'm just on here to put the record straight. So whenever she appeared on Loose Women, you'd have to watch because it was car crash television. She's She's so deluded and so delusional that she starts making things up. She starts believing things. So every man she's ever married, every man she's ever been out with, she literally destroys them afterwards. Whereas, in fact, really, I think they want to say things to her. You know, you're like a wet fish. You've got a boring, monotone voice. You're not really attractive and you've got no sense of fashion. You know, and that's just the nice things you can say about her. I can't think of anything that would sort of, you know, destroy her at all. It's sort of, it's a bit difficult. Uh, The BBC lose the weather franchise. They didn't lose it. They've dispensed with it. They haven't lost it at all. They decided not to pay the Met Office anymore. Simple as that. Um, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. Very quick. Everybody talking about One Direction, and you're going to be talking about it for seven months because they're going to be just about everywhere. Just about everywhere. You're going to be uh, you're going to be reading about them. You're going to be reading about their money. You're going to be reading about you know the things that they've actually got, you know, to uh, to sort of take them through to the next stage of their life. Uh, Phil says, "Would you ever have Katie Price on us in conversation?" Good God, you must be joking. I've already been offered before. I wouldn't have anybody like that. Oh, did I turn down? I mean, I turned down Jade Goody. I turned down loads of people. Loads of people. I don't want idiots. You know, I don't want idiots. What nice? I've got, I've got a really good one coming up, actually. I can't tell you who it is. 
Actually, this week I've got two two really nice ones for this weekend. But uh, I've got one coming up, and I can't tell anything about him. When they first said, I went, oh, right. And then I suddenly remembered who he was. So that was quite good. Coming up to the news at six o'clock. Good morning. It's Tuesday, the 25th of August. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Tube strike off. Hallelujah. Uh, the shares crisis, hammering pensions. Britain's favourite jokes. I must find them. We didn't think they were that funny. A few of your favourite things. And uh, the One Direction fans. They've gone hysterical. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's five past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's Tuesday, the 25th of August. Heard the one about the fringe's best joke. You'll not be laughing. I tell you, I've been through them a few times, and to be honest with you, you're really hard-pushed to force a smile. The tube strike is off. London rejoices. Common sense has finally prevailed, but don't rejoice just yet. It might be back on again. The shares crisis hammering your pension. Final fling of summer. It's You might as well take your shampoo out there and stand in the rain, because it's going to chuck it down. Can't pay your rent if you're in Stuttgart. Go and live on a train. I've got a few of your favourite things. The things that, as Brits, we go, oh, that's nice. And Prunella's dementia. So bad she forgets the show she's just seen. All of that and more between now and 6.30 on LBC. We did get these jokes. Now, I have to be honest, we wander through the papers at the beginning of the programme. I say wander. For me, it's more a meander. Uh, so a little meander. Sometimes stories leap out because I'm thinking, what can I do as a snappy headline? So, so when I saw the, the, the Jermaine Defoe story, I had to uh, just go with it because I thought, that's not a nice thing. He's looking for a PA. And then you realise what he's actually looking for is a dog's body. He's not looking for anybody who can do one thing. They've got to be multitasking. They have to book all social events like theatre, concerts, cinema and musicals. Of course, I then laughed to myself thinking that Jermaine Defoe would ever go to a musical. What do you think the last musical was he ever saw in his tiny mind? I've got no idea. Jicky took one of the string of women he's been, he's been hanging around with. Do you think that Chantelle Houghton's ever been to the theatre? Do you seriously think, she, apart from to say, Mivvies, ice cream, popcorn, giant hot dogs... I can't see her actually actually going to a theatre at all. And also uh, Danielle Lloyd. You know, I mean, do you think Danielle Lloyd has ever been to a concert? What sort of concert would you take Danielle Lloyd to? Only to leave her there, I suppose. Uh, also, you have to produce Defoe's own iPhone apps, grow his online database for his website. Is he completely inept? He must be completely useless. And also be flexible. Well, I'm flexible. I've always been called flexible. I've always said Steve Allen, he's flexible, you know. And uh, you have to be on call... 24-7. Oh, I tell you, if anybody goes for this, I can't wait to see who they're going to pick. Somebody said earlier on, there'll be some poor bimbo somewhere who will go for this. I said, listen, a bimbo wouldn't even understand what the job was. You know, creating an inventory for holiday villas. How many bimbos would understand what that meant? Go to the jewellery channels and look at these people there going, this is the rarest thing. And, and she, she sort of, her gnarled old fingers. And they're, they're, now we've got high definition television. I tell you, the jewellery channels that I sit there and ab- absorb on a daily basis, they've got to stop them because they're all wearing false nails. And obviously some of them, they can't afford proper ones. So they've stuck them on themselves. Seriously, they've got gnarled nails. The skin is all peeling off them. And she's trying to sort of demonstrate some nine ninety nine really rare invest in this bit of tat. I love watching it because I try and visualise the sort of people who buy it. The people who buy into this fantastic idea and she'll go, this is really rare. Really, really rare. And for collect- the collectors have gone mad for it because they're all a bit northern on these programmes. I don't think intentionally. And so she starts sort of curling her hands backwards and forwards as another nail falls off. And they sort of do this and she goes, it's fantastic this and it's really rare and it's 
It's special. I can't believe it. it's on special offer. And she'll the, the earpiece is obviously sort of saying, "Try and animate yourself, love. Try and make yourself look a bit more interesting." And she goes, six ninety nine. I can't believe we're doing it at this price. Six ninety nine. Quick, call in now. Call in now. It's very rare. And I'm calling in, going, "It's rubbish. It's rubbish. It's like you. It's rubbish." So when we get to the jokes, I can't quite understand how anybody could ever find these funny. These are the ten best jokes at the Edinburgh Fringe. Well, I'm assuming you've got to be on drugs to find these funny. I'm assuming at the Edinburgh Fringe, drugs is the key to everything. Here's one. They're always telling me to live my dreams, but I don't want to be naked in an exam I haven't revised for. Rib-tickling, isn't it, really? Clowns divorce, custody battle. Custody battle. I know, these are the best. You imagine what the worst ones were like, can't you? The first time I met my wife, I knew she was a keeper. She was wearing massive gloves. Oh, I think you need to smoke something to understand any of these here. Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Blue sky at night, day. I mean, we got a mild smile out of that one, but I mean, it's not particularly brilliant, is it? This one I did like. This one I did like. Jesus fed 5,000 people with two fishes and a loaf of bread. That's not a miracle. That's tapas. You see, I thought that, that, that was okay. You can marginally get away with it. If I could take just one thing to a desert island, I probably wouldn't go. I mean, and that's his best joke. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One is really heavy and the other is a little lighter. I mean, these just aren't funny. This is just not funny. Surely every car is a people carrier. Not funny. Kim Kardashian is saddled with a huge... A huge, a huge behind. But it doesn't work, you see, because the next line is, but enough about Kanye West. Not funny. We know she's got a huge behind. She's been injected. And then the top one, this is the top gag. Prepare to sew your sides up, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to be on the floor rolling, but not if you're driving a bus, please. I just deleted all the German names off my phone. It's hands-free. Hello? That's how bad Edinburgh's got. Seriously, you would get more laughs if you... I don't know, I'm trying to think where you would go to get more laughs. I mean, just about anywhere. This programme on a daily basis. That's the top ten. And that's the fringe's best jokes. I don't think I'll bother, actually. I, don't, I can't be bothered to go to things like that. It's too stupid for words. It really is. I mean, that's just, they're just not funny. You know, they might as well say what's red and sits in the corner, a naughty strawberry. You know, and it's, it's just, they're just not, they're not funny in this day and age. I'm looking for something a little bit more, actually, something a bit more exciting. And uh, we think that we've found it with this Ad- Ashley Madison website. This is a website, as you know, that came up a while ago. I'd never heard of it. Because, frankly, I've never been in a relationship long enough to worry about having an affair. There's no point, really, because my affairs turn out to be my relationships. And so, consequently, they've got this Ashley Madison. Thousands of people across the world wanted to join it for free so that you could meet other people who are like-minded. In other words, it cuts out going to the pub and having to buy them two gin and tonics. You know, this way you just get to go. I get this on my computer sometimes. Apparently there are no end of Russian girls in the Twickenham area who want to meet me. I don't know why I've never expressed any interest in anybody from Russia at all. And apparently they're also telling me how can I, I can enlarge certain parts of my anatomy. How they know this, I've got no idea, unless they've seen the pictures. But uh, this one now, it's now got serious. 
at Ashley Madison, two people have committed suicide because their names have emerged because of these hackers. And uh, they've sort of said that the, uh, the wake-up call is people who wanted to commit suicide because they went on a, on a website. 37 million users they had around the world. People who wanted to meet other people to go and have, you know, an affair. So, in other words, you're in a relationship, but you want to go and have sex with other people. It doesn't, make, it doesn't quite make any sense, because I always thought the moment you go onto an internet and you put your name in and your email address, that's it. You're doomed. You're doomed. I never put my email address in for that. I wouldn't go for things like that at all. But I've seen pictures of celebrities. I mean, the amount of celebrities who appear on the internet now in, you know, let's just say compromising photographs. I mean, they've all done it. Everybody from, uh, from Lee uh, Ryan to, uh, well, lots of people. I mean, some famous people that are so famous, you think, why would you ever want to perform in front of an internet camera? I mean, seriously, it just, it never ceases to amaze me that some of these, I mean, there is one picture that is doing the rounds at the moment of a famous person. I can't tell you who it is. But every time it appears, they then try and get it removed again. But the trouble is, everybody's seen it. And you think, but why would you do it in the first place? And it's always the unattractive ones. There's nobody ever attractive. There's people from Chelsea, people from TOWIE. They've all done these sort of things on the internet where somebody has persuaded them to perform or do something. Oh, that breakfast looks nice. And um, and then they sort of post it so everybody else can see it. I think it's called revenge porn. And I have a sneaking feeling that this morning, uh, Nick Ferrari... And he was talking about revenge porn the other day, wasn't he, on the programme? Fascinating. This morning, he's going to be looking at the flying restrictions on vintage jets... The tube strike being off and uh, on the most congested road in the UK. I wonder where that is. Political correspondent from British GQ and the Telegraph blogger Rupert Myers will be looking at the papers this morning. It's all with Nick Ferrari and that's coming along at 7 o'clock. It's now 6.15. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. They've just uh, announced somebody else for Strictly Come Dancing. Somebody called Anita Rani. Who? Never even heard of her. I looked at the picture. Not a clue who she is. It appears to me that all they're doing is finding some deadbeat people who aren't really doing very much. She'd appeared on Watchdog and Country File. Well, that's it. That's her claim to fame, is it? I mean, she's 190. She said so many elements strictly terrify me. I'll try and think Beyonce always on beat as I hit the dance floor. Oh, God. And the other one is Jay McGuinness. Who? Jay McGuinness, apparently, was in The Wanted. And he goes to it. The only one I've ever heard from The Wanted is Nathan Sykes. I've never heard of the other ones at all. So he's going into it. Obviously nothing on the horizon there. Slightly depressing, isn't it, really, when you've never heard of half these people. Um, uh, Steve, my wife, says Mick, had a daily phone call asking her to claim for injury. She's never had uh, in a damage-only road accident three years ago. These companies need to be looked at. Well, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're persuading people to just go for something. And, of course, once they found out to be fraudulent, they, they lose everything. Uh, Mike in Manchester, not a fan of Katie Price. I think the only person who's a fan of Katie Price is um, Harvey. I think that would just about sum it up. I don't think there's anybody else. I don't think the kids, you know, uh, strange, isn't it? Uh, Phil says, did you know the Bay City Rollers won a Grammy for best lyric for their worldwide hit Shangalang? That was their TV show, wasn't it? It was called Shangalang. I used to love it. All the girls there with their half-mast trousers and scarves and Shangalang, Shangalang. Well, they were good songs, but they never wrote them, of course. Um, the uh, the sad story in the paper today is uh, Timothy West, who had EastEnders fans in tears as he played out the fading moments of Stan Carter, because he had his own very raw emotions to draw on. 
Uh, for every day, he reflects on cherished moments of his own. 52-year marriage to Prunella Scales that now only he can remember. Prunella's 83, uh, adored by millions as John Cleese's overbearing wife, Sybil. She's fighting a battle with Alzheimer's, and her condition has deteriorated so much that she can no longer recall much of their life together. And so Piers Morgan, who's done an interview, uh, says it will be screened. He says uh, he's her main carer. He's been utterly fantastic because Piers Morgan's back with a new series. And so they'll be talking about Prunella Scales. It's sad, isn't it? It's very sad. Dementia and Alzheimer's and all these other things. I mean, they did do that uh, Grand Canal journeys. It's a sort of Alzheimer's, but it isn't, he said. It's quite mild. She, she can't remember things very well. But you don't have to remember things on the canal. You can just keep your mind absolutely vacant. I'm a bit like that for this programme. I'm a bit sometimes a little bit vacant, you know, where you've sort of got, you know, your mind absolutely blank. It is sad. It is sad. She's 83 and uh, you still remember her as Sybil from Faulty Towers. She's still there and uh, <coughs> long may she be so. But she's quite frail now. But uh, she's still our Sybil. I was trying. To, oh, here it is. I found it. I found it in the paper I was actually sitting on. The best place to live in Britain. You know, where would you think? Where would be the best place to live in Britain? For example, let me give you some... Um, these are... these. Put this way, I'll give you the bottom places. OK? The worst is Gloucester. I don't know anything about Gloucester at all, but it's, it's in here. Rochdale. What do we know about... Oh, Rochdale. Ghastly place. Uh, Blackpool. Well, I mean, it goes without saying, doesn't it? Blackpool. What a dump. Newport. Burnley in Lancashire. I've heard of that. Norwich. So I thought Norwich was quite nice. Kingston-upon-Hull. Swindon. Sorry, Swindon. Huddersfield. Grimsby. It's grim in Grimsby. So those, those were the bottom ten, the worst places, you know, where, where people, you know... The, the average take-home pay in Gloucester per month is £1,801. <laughs> the ten best places to make a living... OK, number 10, Peterborough. That's nice, isn't it? Nottingham, oh, ghastly, full of students. Horrible place, horrible place. Bolton, oh, gave you Peter Kay. Oh, ghastly, ghastly. Warrington in Cheshire. Warrington, horrible. Coventry, it's where we send people to, isn't it? We get, go to Coventry, go to Coventry. It's where Lady Godiva rode through the streets. Milton Keynes, what did I tell you? Oh, no, I thought I had that down as a bad place, Milton Keynes. Sunderland. One of my best friends, Peter Bowes, used to... Well, he used to be in Sunderland. He's now uh, uh, an entertainment correspondent out in America. Cambridge. That's got a dreadful crime rate, Cambridge. Ghastly. It's all sort of punts and canoes, isn't it? Uh, Derby. Derby is one of the best places to make a living. Uh, and what do you think the top one is? Blackburn. Blackburn? having some sort of laugh, aren't you? Apparently, the average monthly mortgage repayment, £354. That's a mortgage repayment. £350. A month. A month. That's, that's weekly in London. That's weekly. Monthly. Average take-home monthly salary in Blackburn, £1,646. And out of that, your mortgage repayment is £354. Isn't that amazing? I've never heard of such a low mortgage repayment before. That's probably on a house costing about threepence, I should imagine. I can't see I can't see it being any more than that. When we have a free podcast for you up today, I have to tell you, some of the stories are absolutely going to get you going. Seriously, I, was, I just had a, I had a quick um, had a quick little uh, look through and uh, they're all here. 
They're all here, all the deadbeats. Nobody from any of the jewellery places, but uh, Anita Rani confirmed a Strictly Come Dancing 11th celebrity contestant. She's not a celebrity. She's a reporter. If, if judging by what, what they've said here, she's just a reporter. That's all she is. Obviously, she's not working very much at the moment. She's appeared on Watchdog. Loads of people have appeared on Watchdog. So she's just a reporter. And apparently that's laughingly called a celebrity nowadays. Oh my God, we've scraped the barrel. Oh, and we've got a lovely story about Amy Childs. Amy Thicko Childs. Apparently she wants to get married. She's found the venue and she's found the man. Just needs to find the hair to go with it, I suppose. Her hair is in such a bad condition. It's so dry and awful. And uh, as I say, you can't have a conversation with her because she's like, you know, simple. Little simple girl, isn't she really? Don't know what to talk about. But she's got beauty salon, you know, make me beautiful, make me look lovely. And so she can perhaps do herself up for the wedding. But uh, she's, she's found a himbo, and uh, we'll tell you about him. Because they all just go in OK Magazine now. Anybody from Essex, if, if in doubt, go to OK Magazine and tell them you're either pregnant uh, or you think you're getting married and they put you on the front cover. Sam Fahir's is pregnant. Marvellous, isn't it? Only just been out with this bloke. Already she's, uh, she's pregnant. Her sister, of course, who's got a child now who's, what, 17, 18? And still not married. Perhaps they don't bother in Essex. Perhaps they, they decide that it's easier to live together because you know it ain't going to last very long. A bit like Katie Price's weddings. So we'll talk more about that. Just about it for today. The front pages of the papers, they're talking about... Well, that man, I predict, will be all over the papers tomorrow. The man who wrote to uh, Shoreham Air Show to say he didn't get his full value for the day. Could he have a refund? And uh, he's luckily taken it down before people went round to lynch him. And uh, the other story today in the paper, what else did we come up with? We came up with that collapse of the uh, of the stock market and the shares crisis hammering pensions. Uh, we talked, uh, well, we didn't talk about the one in 20 cars. Only one in 20 UK-bound cars are checked in Calais. That's why so many people are able to get into the country. Hopefully they caught out when they're here. Uh, I didn't get round to a few of your favourite things, but one of them would be this programme. And the MPs to question Alan Yentob over the kids' company failings. And by God, have they got some failings. Uh, have yourself a lovely day. Let me just tell you now, take an umbrella. It's going to be, uh, going to be very, very wet and very, uh, very, very, very wet at the moment. Uh, my vote for Strictly Come Dancing, says Professor Jonathan Shallot, OBE, would be the legend that is Steve Allen. Jonathan, love and kisses. But listen, I have two left feet. No chance. Cha-cha? I don't think so. Cha-cha off this programme, because you can download it. Go to the LBC website, get the podcast app. Coming up at seven, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. But next, the morning news with Sarah Jane Me. This is LBC.